We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. The following, following. the following journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? Fourteen million six hundred and five. How many did we win? Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Comics. It's JIC 275. As always, I am your host, Nate. And today, joining me, you guys know him and love him. He is the pod god of the Journey into Comics network. Welcome back. I'm Tyler. inevitable. You are inevitable. <laughs> I love that. I just, I weasel my, like the dark side of the Force and the Sith, I just weasel my way into everything that exists on this podcasting network. There's only two shows that I haven't been on. Journey into Wrestling is one of them. Journey into Wrestling and Gallif Radio are the only two that I think I have never done. Because you did Crucial Tunes with Nick. Yep, I've done Dungeons for Sale would be one maybe I've, too, but it was well, only a one-off season, so. Yeah, and then uh, we did Adulting Eight. Skylar and I did Adulting Ain't Easy with Liz and AP. The debut mm-hmm. last year, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. Then- uh, I, I really think that Gallif Radio and JIW uh, are the only two that I haven't been on. You are inevitable. I love it. See, and I'll, I'll get I'll get to both of them because, like, you know, we're going to talk a lot of Star Wars today. Oh yeah. I haven't listened to Gallif Radio at all because I am not a a a Who Vian. Nice, you saved it. Yeah, I am. I am not a fan of the Who. So it, have you just not been properly indoctrinated? To I just it? haven't. Like, I, I, re, I realistically I haven't watched it because I've watched I've watched a couple episodes of just random doctors, mm-hmm. and those like co- like one episode I don't remember what doctor it was, but he was on this fucking planet and it was like abandoned and he was in this library. Silence in the library. And the shadows Forest would fucking the, the shadows would take over your body, and then it turns out that they're like. Not shadows, they're microscopic organisms that are living in the books. Hey, who turned out the lights? Yeah. That's that episode. It was the... Yes, uh, I, I, I watched that fucking episode from start to finish just because I got up one morning and I was like, oh, there's nothing else on. Sure. And it was fucking incredible. Yeah. It's a two-parter. I don't know if you saw part two, no, but part I just, two I just watched the, part one. The Resolve, and it's like, what the fuck? It's awesome. But yeah, man, we definitely should get you on Doctor Who that, or on uh, Gallif Radio. That'd be awesome. Uh, you nailed it, though. Today, I feel like we have... 
too much and we have not too, enough. We have too much to talk about. Like Star Wars to discuss because while you guys are listening to this on Monday, which means there's no chance in hell as we're recording this, we're going to be able to predict anything other than what Thursday night's numbers were, which we'll look up here in a minute. Uh, Rise of Skywalker has just finished its opening weekend. Uh, we saw it on premiere night, the first earliest premiering, got out before AP, which was awesome. Uh, not very, not very long though. Like maybe about a half hour, twenty five minutes. Yeah, half an it hour. was, it was, it was right close. But uh, we also got uh, the day before a new Mandalorian, and what a fucking dick kicker that episode was. Yeah, how if you could quickly just. Just to go back there, give us like the briefest synopsis of the new Mandalorian episode because I feel like if we and we might still a little bit dive into spoilers just for people listening, you know, but if we were to really go spoiler heavy and really divulge everything about it, it would almost spoil this this show because there's so many crazy twists that ended up happening in that. But and as we found out with the rise of Skywalker last night, you know there was. Th- for weeks we've heard, well, there's a reason why they're releasing this episode on Wednesday instead of on Friday, because they have to get this episode out before the premiere of episode nine. So something can canonically make sense is so, kind of what they were alluding to. Yeah, so all all week last week, you know, in the lead up to the episode, I'm like, okay, we have, we have to be on high alert to try and spot what this is, because I don't think it's going to be something obvious. I didn't think so, at least ahead of sure. time. And then we'll talk about what that ends up being later in the episode. But the quick and dirty synopsis of the episode is uh, Reef Cargus sends a message to Mandalorian like, Hey man, we'll clear your name. Uh, you just got to come here and help me do the thing. And you can kill um, Werner Herzog's character and then this will all go away. You know, you go back to doing your thing. I'll go back to doing my thing. Let bygones be bygones. I almost said let bygones be Qui-Gons, and I had to, I had to stop myself. Episode title, okay. let bygones be Qui-Gons. So Mando is like, ah, oh, what do I do? And then you, you get a cute little scene with, with him and Baby Yoda where like they lock eyes and helmet. And then we get montage, montage, montage. We're teaming up. We've got Quill. We've got Cara Dune. I thought we were going to get the mechanic from... Um, Tatooine too. Oh, uh, Pelly. Pelly, uh, thank you. I, can't think I, of her I forget last her name, name every time. But so, so we fucking team up. We bring the Blurgs. We bring the guns. This is the way, and I have spoken. The Blurgs are coming with us. I've spoken. I fucking I loved it, man. And then we get into a shootout. We're gonna use the kid as bait. We're not gonna use the kid as bait. Some fucking shit goes down. Baby Yoda does some stuff. Baby Yoda force chokes a bitch. That was crazy. Loved it. And in the like moment that is not at all aggressive and does not need to be done during a arm wrestling match between Kara and the Mandalorian, Baby Yoda just like just fucks her up. He just and they're like just, whoa. And I think that's when it hits Quill like <gasps> force user. I've heard of these things. I know. And he doesn't actually quite ever get that out to them like this is a force user and strong in the force and explain that in detail or anything well and and, and not to spoil because I, I really don't want to spoil the ending of this episode totally i don't think we should for for everyone out there that was so enamored with episode nine and busy work schedules you know we're a couple days from christmas at this point yeah we're realistically right the um so but there this is 
probably to me the hardest episode so far to watch of the season. Not because it's bad. I think realistically this is one of the best. I I, I think if you compare episode six and episode seven, it's unanimous. Episode seven was way more well done than episode eight as far as story goes. You know, you've got the, I, I think episode six or I said episode seven and eight, didn't I? I meant episode six, six and, and seven. seven. I'm sorry. I got you. I, I followed. But the cinematography for episode six is what really won that episode, or, or made that episode stand out in the series. The fucking strobe light hallway. The red light. I mean, just I mean, just the the tone. Yeah. The tone of last episode is what really stood out. And you go into the, the first half of episode seven, and you think, man, shit's going to work out. Mando's going to clear his name. You know, him and Reef Cargus's beef is going to be squashed. Him and Baby Yoda are going to retire somewhere. I actually thought that after after the beef was squashed that he might go and, like, before I saw the episode, my assumption was kind of that he was going to be given the tip in killing Werner Herzog's character that, like, this is where you need to go to finish because I am not even the guy who gave the order. Mm-hmm. This dude is. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what they're going to do. And they don't at all in the best way. You know, it was, it was definitely... Uh, that ep- okay, so to talk on six and seven really quick, and just to compare and contrast, I think that six felt like a cowboy bebop episode. Mm-hmm. If you like that show, it had the, the it was a different kind of team up. The well, whole like it brought more of the sci fi and less of the western. Yes, I, I mean because it was a gang of outlaws doing the 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 uh, breaking breaking the wanted f- fugitive out of the stagecoach. Yep, that's what episode six was, but it felt. It was more grounded in sci-fi than every other episode we've had so far, but it was still beautiful. How awesome was it? Zero flying the Razor Crest onto that fucking shuttle. Oh, man. Like, activating hyperdrive now. Activating this now. Oh, my God. This guy is the bomb. I, I'm i a big fan of most of the droids in the Star Wars universe. Sure. Skylar and I have talked about it at length. Like, whenever we watch a Star Wars TV show or a cartoon or one of the movies... You know, I'll point stuff out to Ruby like, oh, there's the gonk droid. You know, in the yeah. first couple episodes of the season, you know, it's plodding along going gonk, gonk. And Skylar's like, what the fuck is a gonk droid? It's the giant thing that looks like a trash can. Yeah, it's been in every Star Wars. Every Star Wars, and it may, it just, it only makes that sound, gonk. Yep. Uh, and, you know, there's they've got different functions, obviously. But, like, I'm pointing all that stuff out to, to Ruby as my dad pointed that shit out to me when I was a kid. So there's more bonding time, and we're enjoying it. Oh, yeah. And Skylar's learning at the same time. But w- what I was trying to get at before I got my brain got sidetracked is I really, really appreciated Zero's um, design. Yes. That it, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not super unique as far as, like, you look at some of the droids that are featured in... Uh, a new hope when they're in the sand crawler and yes, yes, you know, yes, they're, yes, they're, yes. they're panning around and you're seeing all these different droids because at that point in the series you really had only seen R2 and 3PO and then you get fucking robots everywhere yeah and it's like we're in space boys so I really appreciated Zero I would have I thought to, to backtrack a little bit I thought that we were going to get a Mando Zero team up uh, because the whole no droids thing we've seen consistently, and I think we learn in seven, they're reserving that spot. Yes, because now shit meet fan. Shit has <laughs> fucking. We we had the montages and the team ups. Yep. We had the cliffhanger. Yep. We had quit. 
And then I there's there's a scene that focuses on Quill and kind of some of the the time lapse that you and I have uh, not necessarily complained about, but really critiqued on the series so far. Sure, sure, sure. We get some of that time gap in this episode from a different character's perspective, and I really, really appreciated that. And it makes sense. What the purpose was? Yes, it, it totally makes sense. And if I could give um, uh, fucking. Um, who plays Quill? Uh, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte, thank you. I sure. wanted to say Gary Busey so bad. They're the same person, yep. so yeah, I totally understand. <laughs> if I could give Nick Nolte a standing ovation for his performance in the series so sure. far, it is, in my opinion, it is the most well-done live-action like voice-acting performance that I've seen in any modern-day TV show ever. Totally, and I think that the actual Quill is either robotic or animatronic it, that's like it's practical effect it's not cgi at all and i know he's not in it because the dude's so much bigger right than nick that. nolte is a big man yeah so he's not going to be in that tiny quill but, but hats off to nick nolte for his performance because it's incredible hats off to um gina carl, carano gina carano though. and carl weathers killing it both of them Absolutely. both of them are killing it and then you know pedro pascal's obviously not the one behind the helmet he's what just, do you think about that and, I didn't. And, and, I didn't know that until a couple episodes ago, and it it made me a little bit disappointed. I need to read this because my thing is, I thought that I read somewhere that I don't think it's. I don't think it's a a, a, a strict. He's not ever wearing the costume. I think it's like a fifty fifty because he's got stunt doubles for yes. sure. And I know that because somebody who was on set with him, I can't remember who it was, was on set with the Mandalorian stunt double and was talking about it. And that's why when I heard the news that somebody was like, he's not even in the suit, I was like, well, I mean, I think he kind of is, but I think you're just taking like miscontext, miscontext. Yep. You're missing the context and, of what and, was And going we on. could be mistaken too. He could totally not be in it at all. Correct. Just from what I've read, he's basically sharing time in the suit. Um well, you know, I mean, he's going to be a higher-paid actor. You're not risking his body. You're giving him longevity for more seasons. Well, and especially if you look historically, the people that have donned the Mandalorian armor in live action, much like Anthony Daniels with the C-3PO costume, that's a lot of gear to put on. You know, oh, yeah. it's it's not the the like it's a, it's a little bit more involved than the like molded plastic that the stormtroopers wear and stuff like that. So it does take some wear and tear on your body. Um, I'm I'm gonna give you a quick, uh, just a real quick and dirty prediction for episode eight. I think we see him without his helmet on next episode. I have a prediction for that as well, and I think it's gonna be a very specific moment, and it's gonna be when he saves Baby Yoda. He's gonna take the helmet off for the first time, and it's gonna be like a, <gasps> like a what he did what, and mm-hmm. it's and it's so Yoda like Baby Yoda knows like I'm gonna protect you this time, and I'm sorry I fucked up. Like I've left it in other people's hands, and the mistakes keep getting made. Not this time. Yep. You know, uh, another another big shocker for me this episode, Giancarlo Esposito's fucking entrance, man. The Death Troopers. The, oh man, brutality! I was like, no, we are not getting this on screen. And then they, we did. That had a very, and I know you won't get this, but it had a very Breaking Bad esque season finale vibe. I know, but it, <laughs> it it had the very much the Breaking Bad esque season finale vibe to it, where they just. There should not have been any survivors in that guild building because Mm-mm. they just ravaged it with lasers. Uh, 
But if we say anything else, we're gonna ruin the whole. I episode know. I'm just like everyone. I'm teetering on the edge of saying stuff. But so again, another another very well done episode. I I would put this in the top top four of the of the season. I mean, we we might as well do this every episode now. Uh, the sins at number one for me. Okay. Episode two. The child. The child mm-hmm. is is right at second for me. Um, episode one is number three, and I would put episode seven right there at the fourth spot. Man, I would almost put seven just one notch ahead of it, mainly because... I really want to, but that that, fir- that pilot, hi- it hit me in all the right places. I, and it does. It, it's going to. It's uh, well done. Yeah, Have we ever officially talked on here about the decanonization of Boba and Jango as Mandalorians? We talked about... Well, We've talked about it briefly, like 50 50 between this show and Podcastrophe, because not this past episode of Podcastrophe, but the week before that, I jumped into the chat. Blaine and Dave were talking uh, some Mandalorian lore. And Blaine is correct that the original Mandalorian species is long gone. It's essentially just a culture at this point that's yep. fine. Um, George Lucas. And I don't know if this was always intended, but if you look at some of the stuff that George Lucas has written mm-hmm. and and um, spoken about now that The Mandalorian has premiered, um, he says that his intention was always that they were not true Mandalorians. And then if you go back to, like, there was a Jango Fett comic series right around the time that Clone Wars, the movie, came, or Attack of the Clones came out, and then there was the video game Star Wars Bounty Hunter, which I fucking loved because it was from Jango Fett's perspective. So you get a little bit of background knowledge there. And Jango Fett was born on a Mandalorian world, essentially, on Concord Dawn. But if you go off of the Clone Wars TV show's canon, mm-hmm. which is legit canon at this point, Dave Filoni wrote the father and son tandem totally out of canon they were just bounty hunters who had the armor they got it however um because the governor not the duchess but like the governor of mandalore of the peaceful side of mandalore just blatantly said it obi-wan says or the governor says well there's no mandalorians off world right now we're trying to be peaceful blah 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 you should never have run into one before because we're all here Mm mm-hmm and Obi-Wan's like, well, here's footage of me fighting uh, Jango Fett. And the governor's like, sorry to tell you, but Jango Fett's not a Mandalorian. He's just got the gear. Mm. So Dave Filoni took control of that, wrote those two characters out. You know, and Filoni's obviously heavily involved in Clone Wars and the Rebels. And, and now, now, in, Mandalorian. now Mandalorian as well. So as much as, I, as those two characters are near and dear to my heart... Um, I'm actually okay with it. It almost, I'm going to just totally spin this back to, <clears throat> without fully spoiling the next part of our show, uh, similar vibes to, sure, it has similar vibes to the uh, finale of Rise of Skywalker. If you think about how Boba and Jango, more than anything, adopt the culture, uh, even though they're nice, even though they're not born into the culture. Mm-hmm. And it's as a it's a choice more than anything. It's like blood doesn't make you family or loyal. You know, loyalty mm-hmm. does that same kind of thing. 
Um, and we see that again in Rise of Skywalker. Well, in a couple and, essences. in episode three, the sin, especially, you know, we get in the first couple episodes, we get, excuse me, we start to get the flashbacks where we're seeing the separatist droids. You see the super family. battle droids fucking mm-hmm. murdering people. You see the, the separatist fighter craft fucking bombing the, the city or whatever. And then you have the interaction between, um, the John Favreau Mandalor or voiced Mandalorian and our Mandalorian who is named and I've mentioned it on the show before but I forget it every time it's like Rin something mm-hmm. I can't remember it's never been said in the show it's just like credited this is his name you'll no fi- knowledge you'll figure it out eventually you know <clears throat> Because he doesn't ever tell anybody his name. Just call me Mando, and then let's let's go on. Because I don't want to let people close. Correct. Um, but he adopted the culture. He was he was he's he was a foundling, and then you know through just very subtle storytelling, you get the backstory of what a foundling is. It's a fucking child or a person who uh, aspires to adopt this culture and 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 follow the way of the Mandalore. Um, and they have to fucking earn that right. It's like being a monk. Yes. You have to go through the fucking training. You, you have the to fucking you, you have to earn the right to put the helmet on, and once you put it on, you can't ever take it off. Well, so I really appreciated that. I'm, I'm really, you know, because one of the biggest questions, at least that I have as a fan from the last three episodes, especially now that we're back on Navarro, um, where did the... Where'd the rest of the Mandalorians go? Well, they said they weren't going to be on Navarro anymore. They left. But did they even get a chance to leave before the Empire grabbed them? Oh. Or did the Empire, well, uh, now here's Uncle th- Owen and Aunt Beruum? Ooh, geez. No disintegrations. Uh, my thing is, though, you kind of get, I guess you get a little bit of the context of that because according and i hate to bring up Shean because i know you weren't necessarily a fan of that character and, and i agree the the costume design on her was not that great well it was and, and i want to i, I want to like clarify that because the costume design as a as a twi'lek is like they're they're a sentient species they're going to have cultural diversity mm-hmm. just like us they're not all going to totally. look the same they're not all going to be green they're not all going to be blue their fucking head tendrils aren't going to be four exactly feet the long. Same length yeah, all the time. you know. It, so, so that's not the bone that I have to pick. It's it's the color palette, which it's not that the color palette was bad. It's Pepto Bismol, and it's not even that it was Pepto Bismol. It's just that it looked it looked off with with the the rest. It was like all, it was almost like the contrast was off on my TV compared to the rest of the episode because you go from when they first get on the ship and everything is bright white and it's like, you know, it almost hurts your eyes. It's so clean, clean. Thank you. And then you see those character models contrasting with that background. And then you throw in everything's red now. And then you have the black and white strobe hallway and you have all of those contrasts. And it's like, this just does not look right. She's the stand. Her and her brother both had the the standout weirdness with mm-hmm. their with their color palette choice. And, and the the acting and the writing, I get I get that they were they were trying to portray characters in a way that it needed to be done. Just a, coming on a little too strong for me. 
Um, if you if you're gonna play a sadistic psychopath type character, do it, but you don't have to lick your teeth every three seconds. In be- in between <laughs> in between syllables, she was licking her teeth. Yeah, that a little too much. A little too much. But she says uh, she says there she goes. You know, why are they all dead? She mentions the Mandalorians being all dead, but that's been lore that he's the only one because they keep it to where only go out one you only time. see one. So if Mandalorian goes out and he looks like the heavy armor guy, it's because it's actually the heavy armor version of Mandalorian. It's not. It's not our Mandalorian, right. you know. But they don't. They're none the wiser. So that's. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I liked this episode quite a bit. I was very happy with it. I can't wait to see where they resolve next week. I mean, we're nine days. Well, okay, as this launch. You're only five days away when you're listening to this. You're only five days away. But as we record, we're nine days away. It's a long journey. We're going to have to trek through the snow and the mud (laughs) and Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of Christmas, our Christmas gifts is going to be, hey, here's this the finale. And then we're going to be like, oh, lots to discuss. But, bro, it's time. (laughs) Last night we did it. We witnessed the end of the saga. And, And essentially... If you take Kathleen Kennedy at her word, and we're going to assume that she uh, maintains creative control of Lucasfilm, mm. the ending of trilogies as far as Star Wars goes. So, does that mean she wants to try to do one-off onlys, or try to do like a shared universe like Marvel, where it's a bunch of different single stories that build to a larger story? Or I don't think that information has been fleshed out. Sure. But not taking anything out of contact or context, just going off of the things that she said verbatim. The era of the trilogy is dead for Lucasfilm. She will not. She will not greenlight any more trilogies. It will be standalone films, or here's your here's your first entry into the series. Here's your sequel, and we're done. Hmm. They're not doing any more grand epic sagas, and I and I don't think that's necessarily a terrible play, if it's done right. Like, i.e., the way that you open with a movie like Solo, you give that movie the sequel that it deserves. Everything else is history for mm-hmm. that character. We don't need a third Solo and film. At most, you could put any one character in the second solo film to spawn off its own Thank you. thing. And, and and I think that if if we're holding her true to the word, maybe it's because there's a purity about the nine movies being the saga. And, and, I, and I would it. agree with that, too. And if you do another trilogy, what are people going to immediately think? Oh, this is the next chapter. Even if it's its own trilogy that has its own pretext, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, one of the things that, that Lucasfilm and Disney are looking at you know, fans across the globe are constantly uh, enamored with the idea that we're going to get this grand Knights of the Old Republic saga in the same vein that we got the Skywalker saga. And I don't think, I don't think that's a good idea because there's too many, there's too many unknowns. There's too, you know, I've praised Star Wars for the last however long I've been on the network, <laughs> ever, uh, f- forever. Um, that. With Star Wars, you have unlimited storytelling. With comic books, you have, here's your source material, here's all these different story paths that we've gone down, we've done this iteration of the Hulk, we've done this iteration of the Hulk. And you can cherry-pick different concepts. You can cherry-pick, and you can you can mold a perfect Hulk story out of your source material. With Star Wars, 
it's a little bit more difficult with something that there's not as much source material for, especially with with not with the old Republic setting. You have the Jedi and Sith at the height of their power. You have the people of Mandalore at the height of their power. You have the wars, which are pretty well established between those three factions and how they involve each other. You would have to do a lot of groundwork to put compelling and unique and interesting characters and weave them in the storyline and not just have, well, here's this alien race and here's this alien race Bogged and this alien down race. Expedi- exposition trying to explain everything. It would be... It would be some of what people complained about The Last Jedi and, and, and Rise of Skywalker, too much fan service, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing either. It's just you put it perfectly when you said it would get bogged down and we would go from walking on the road to walking through the swamp and you're going to get the same place. It's just going to be a little bit more difficult and it's going to wear you out if you're just trudging through the swamp on foot. So... I don't know. That's that's muddy waters for sure, and no, no pun intended there with the swamp reference. But, that was awesome. Um, I, I you and I left the theater last night, and obviously we went immediately into discussion because we we could not help ourselves. Yeah, we were standing in the lobby discussing it as soon as we got. Probably to my, spoiled it to a couple people. That's Oops. fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. Should have <laughs> been at the first showing, bastard. Yep, you should you should have been there. And you know, if, if they would have had a matinee showing yesterday, I would have been at it. I know oh, you yeah. would have been there. Oh, you know, yeah. I would have taken the day off of work yesterday to go see a matinee. Um, but we could not contain ourselves. And you asked me as soon as the credits rolled, what did I think? And I just kind of gave you a shoulder shrug because I didn't know. I thought about it a lot before I fell asleep last night. Mm-hmm. And then while I was waiting on you to get up this morning, I, you know, the fucking brain is working. Oh, yeah. The gears were cogging. And... I'm a little bit more positive about it than I was last night. Okay. But at at, at, at at the end of first watch last night, sure. I didn't know what to think. I if you would have said, "Give me just right off the top of your head, out of five stars, give it to me," I couldn't have done it. Because you wouldn't. Uh, I understand the reasoning behind that. I think I said this to you when we were at the theater last night. It's just like, um, how do I how do I word it? I said something to the effect of like. The fact that we're seeing the last of a sequ- of a series like this that's meant so much to us for our whole lives, it, it, it the movie didn't even get digested as we're watching Correct. it because we're we're just absorbing all this information in one conscious stream. And I even said to you, I think a second watch is going to better um, help to navigate what I want to say about this movie as far as its uh, rating. As it were, when we totally have a precedent set for us already with Infinity War and Endgame, because in in the Last Jedi we need to talk about that too, because you and Blaine and Brando and myself, and realistically the rest of the network as a whole, we're a little bit, I, I feel like on the defensive or a little bit more guarded because of how Last Jedi hit us in the theater with, you know, the grandiose spectacle of. You know this this movie is going to be directly compared to Empire, the best film in the entire saga, hands down. And you and Brando and Blaine and I all made comments that were either, you know, I actually like The Last Jedi better than than uh, Empire, or it's right there neck and neck. And then after the next couple watches, it's like, man, we kind of fucked up. 
because it's not as good as we initially said. It's it's great. I think Last Jedi is a great film. But we got we we grounded ourselves and then we're like, uh, it's not. We were too jazzed about yes. it because it was new and it was. Listen here, you know what I think it was too about Last Jedi. We were some of the fans that were grateful that we got to see Force Awakens and it was like a beautiful, well crafted callback to New Hope without being a New Hope, you know. And then Last Jedi, we as real, and I'm not trying to shit on other people, but like on as genuine fans of this series that we talk about and love so much, seeing The Last Jedi be able to take it the risks it did and just say, you know what? I don't care. We're going to take all the risks in this movie and go for broke because uh, Force Awakens was a little reserved. It didn't go for broke. It, it, yeah, okay, you, spoiler alert, four years later, fuckers, <laughs> but you kill Han Solo. But like, there's that. That's like the biggest risk in that whole movie. Well, and 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 that the biggest bone that I have to pick with the Force Awakens was that they killed Han. I I get it. You know, I I still can't let that go. It makes sense for the character, the narrative, everything. Did you get validation in this movie? Yes. because of how they yep wove I, that story because of things that that transpired in Episode Nine. I can now I now have that closure and I can say okay JJ you what I thought was initially a blunder and a mistake it's not it's not a mistake anymore it it, it played out beautifully and it was very well executed and none of us not one of us leading up to this movie called it or even remotely talked about it you know, we had a lot of theories going into this film. That wasn't one of them. That was not even <laughs> the the faintest idea of one of them. That was not on the Wayfinder. No. You couldn't find that with a Wayfinder Mm-mm. at all. No. I mean, I didn't even have a chain code for that. I could have had a chain code for that and couldn't have found it. I love, okay, I, I want to mention, okay, so we're like all over the place, but we're just talking about what kind of moments during the movie. And when that specific moment that at some point we'll probably spoil here once we dive deeper uh, happened, I just looked at you and you were like, bro. <laughs> it was the greatest moment. I was just like, yes, they got us. They got us in a way I was not expecting. And then that moment is not only the perfect um, bow on Han, mm-hmm. as it were, right? It's also... The the relaunch point in this universe of Ben Solo, and it's like that character was in stasis for the entirety that we've seen him, and this one specific moment happens, and then he just like it just changes him. Yep. And I don't know if we even talked about this, uh, the dialogue that Kylo used in that scene. We've heard it before. It was the exact same thing he said to his dad. Mm-hmm. I know what I have to do. I just don't know if I can do it. And had that moment that we got in Rise of Skywalker happened in Force Awakens, we'd be talking about a totally different story, you know. And then I mean, oh man, there's like my brain just went. <laughs> but um, let's just—I'll quickly give like a brief synopsis of like the generalized story. We know the Rebel fleet is down to their last breath. They've got—they've got like maybe seventy-five fucking people. That's it, and it's bad. And and of the seventy-five, one of them is already dead before we even get to the movie, which is sad. But they craft that so well, Carrie Fisher. Just in case you were worried, which which if we go if we go in into anything in explicit detail for the remainder of this episode, the Carrie Fisher stuff is one thing that I I very strongly want to discuss totally. because it 
it was very beautifully done. Totally. I absolutely tasteful as well. Yes. And uh, I actually read a thing last night before I went to bed that her brother was like terrified to see Rise of Skywalker because they were worried they were going to fucking like make a mockery of her, or do something really tasteless. Mm-hmm. They didn't. It was it was awesome. But uh, so we find out the rebellion on their last breath is trying to figure out what's going on, because as the crawl tells us. There was this mysterious transmission of the Emperor's voice on all signals. Everywhere. What? Every motherfucker that exists and I loved that heard on the, the Emperor. On the crawl, the dead speak. Ugh! You know, what the fuck? This, this, I would say, you know, if, if we're really, really going to get to brass tacks and critique shit, this is probably my favorite crawl. Yeah, in the entire series, they gave you a lot of exposition and what's coming in the story. And just, they... just those few short words, "the dead speak," that fucking hits. Yeah, I mean, hardcore. Could you imagine? Okay, you are you are a galaxy wide civilization of billions, billions of people. And you've lived over sixty or fifty years or so. With the knowledge that the Emperor fell after the Battle of Endor. And every motherfucker that exists hears the Emperor at the same time. Mass hysteria. Dude. I mean. Panic in the streets, or streets, fucking riots. The fir- Because imagine if you're uh, like a high-ranking official in the First Order. The Emperor's gone. You rose from the ashes of the Empire and you're doing your own thing. And you hear... The fuck, the Dark Lord himself speak. And I mean, some of those people uh, had never actually heard that voice Bam. in this universe. They weren't even alive at his fall. So that creates this even more like some p- people are turning to their families like, what was that voice? And the parents are just like, it's, I mean, it's it, envision this, folks. We're living in modern day America. It's mm-hmm. been about, um, what are we at, like 70 some odd years since World War II? Yep. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we hear Hitler's Hitler voice just over everything. It would it would be devastating, bro. Utterly, I mean, that's exactly the feel. Um, but we get this beautiful and crazy scene with Kylo going to find the Emperor right out of the gate. They don't even play bullshit. Kylo's going for it. We get this really interesting thing. You guys, a lot of people have seen that because they released it as the. Um, the sneak peek. The... The, it was one of the sneak peeks because the other sneak peek that came with Mandalorian was the scene that kind of like follows right after that, which mm-hmm. is still going into the storyline. So they kind of have realized that uh, the Rebels have realized there's a spy within the First Order that's given them this information that's letting them know what Kylo's plans are. Because Kylo wants to go kill. If the Emperor is alive, he's going to go fucking murder him because... He is supreme leader Kylo Ren. And he's on a new path now. He, and he's on a new path. A new fucking path of destruction. And he is like, uh, you know, right at the edge. And I loved that Palpatine says, I've been every voice you've ever heard. God, oh. that, God that was good. Oh, like, man, it just like, yikes. And then you hear him do, it's Vader's voice. And it's uh, Palpatine's voice. And Snoke's and voice. And Snoke's voice. And then we get to see... As I called, and as we've called, and we've all talked about Snoke, the clone. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see a whole vat of Snoke clones. Yeah, it's uh, that was that was an awesome moment for sure. And then we get um, the 
the Millennium Falcon scene, Poe and Finn trying to save it. They do the, like the light speed jumping. Uh, oh, the skipping. The skipping. Yep. I keep calling it jumping. I mean to say skipping. It, they, I think they call it jumping in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy when mm-hmm. they, they do the different jumps. But uh, So they do the skip. And they go through all these different cool fucking places. There was like a world, I think, that they were on where it was like a mirror world. Like the ground was a mirror. Did mm-hmm. you see that where there were like two Millennium Falcons and two fighters going against them? Yep. It was crazy. But um, they ultimately get back to the base. The Millennium Falcon is on fire. It's fucking destroyed uh, pretty much. This whole time Ray has been training or trying to train and do this um, obstacle course whatever to become a better jedi basically what obi-wan made luke do mm-hmm. all the way back in a new hope put put your helmet on just more expansive put the blast shield down yep well i can't see without with the blast shield down i don't care do it exactly you need to feel feel it, mm-hmm. feel it. don't see it yeah <clears throat> and then uh so ray's doing the training or whatever and then they kind of realize what's going on and ray's like i have to stop him like, it can't be you, it can't be you, it can't be anybody else. None of you have the force power like I do. None of you have read the text like she's probably had in the time. Well, and we, we, we've got good precedent there because we see her in those sequences, like, physically going through the text. And going back to the books and She knew them. what book to grab at, at the right time and the right place. She knew what page to flip through. I cannot remember the planet that he's on. The name. It starts with a Z, right? That the Emperor's on? Yeah. Uh, Exegol. Exegol, that's right, Exegol. So she hears Apparently that. Apparently the Sith planet. Yeah, and she hears it and immediately goes to the books and starts opening through the ancient texts and like knows that there's this possible thing. She goes on the warpath. Uh, there's a lot of little crazy side things happening in this story, man. Uh, I'm trying to think. What happened after she leaves? Because she goes to find him, and I can't remember what happened. Well, all of all of them go together. That's right, because because everybody's like, if you're going, we're going too. Because mm-hmm. Leia, mm-hmm. Leia is like, you're not going by yourself. And there was the awkward, here's my lightsaber. Here's your lightsaber back. Here's your lightsaber. Here's the lightsaber back. Take the fucking saber. Take it. Just take it. <laughs> uh. So yeah, Ray and Finn and Poe and the alien critter. That when they're doing the light speed skips, there was an alien oh, on the yeah, ship, like the Blorgy guy with the yeah. tentacles. Yep. Yeah, he's he didn't alien. go, but he was like a part of that exchange anyway. But the droids, and then Ray, Poe, and Finn, and Chewie—they went to the festival. They went to the festival. That's the first place. Which that—that's probably one of my favorite sequences of the film: the going to the Forbidden Desert and seeing the festival and. You know, we get a little bit more Force FaceTime almost right away. Yeah, got swallowed up by the sands, too, which I yep. think they mentioned even in Mandalorian at mm-hmm. some point that the sands can just suck you up. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we get under, and they're uh, in the tunnels, and they're like, uh, we're fucked. And they realize they're not fucked. They actually have found this Jedi hunter they were searching Ochi for. Ochi was his Ochi. name. Ochi, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, they find the dagger. The gives, Sith dagger. The Sith dagger that gives them the clue where the Emperor is. And C-3PO translates it, but won't verbally translate it. Because it's in his code that that he cannot translate Sith. Man, we were wrong about 3PO. Not necessarily, because we did lose him. For like eight minutes. Hey, 
hey, we didn't know we were going to get him back. You're right. You're right. But come on, three. I mean, it's it's R two. R two is going to have his back. I, and I thought that too. I was like, I bet R two had him backed up anyways because it's R two, and that's just how he rolls. And uh, but they go to the festival. They get sucked under. Ray uses force healing on this basilisk type snake it's like a creature. Snake worm sand critter. Yeah, it's like a yes. Exactly. <laughs> well said. Very descriptive there. Snake worm sand critter. Uh, a very uh, dangerous looking snake worm sand critter. And she just approaches it slow, heals it, and he leaves. Because that's all that's going on. Well, it, it opens a, a way out for him. Yep. And his that's what I was going to say. His leaving opened their way free. And it's like, yes, we are going to move to the next step. They're going to go to their ship. They have the dagger. Their plan now is to go to Exegol. And they're going to do it. And, but they're not going to do it because every second they go anywhere, they're being tracked. The Knights of Ren know where they're going. Mm-hmm. Everything is going wrong for the Rebels. And they all show up on this planet for the festival. And Ray kind of gets lost doing the Force FaceTime thing with uh, with Kylo. They're back and forth chatting for a minute. And then, uh, oh, and then we had the, we forgot about that, where she weirdly enough did the force facetime but it made her at night and then mm. it pushed her back to daytime i don't think we ever really got an understanding of why that happened yeah i don't know uh if, i don't think that's like an error per se because she even like looks around like it's visibly different than what it was um but the moment that got me in the movie that i looked at you and i was just like oh he hates this movie it's the worst movie in the world for him ever is they are getting ready to get on, uh, what was the guy? The Ochi. Ochi's. They're getting ready to get on Ochi's ship. Which we need to talk about was the ship that Ray sees abandoning her on Jakku. That's the ship that her parents fly away in. Yep. When she's with uh, Unkar. Unkar Plutt. Yeah. We're nerds up in this place. We know mm-hmm. that guy's name. So, uh... So they're getting ready to take off. Ray is doing the force FaceTime again with. Uh, she goes off on her own. She kind of like just like walks into the desert and just kind of like fucking just like crazy person just losing their mind. And then Finn sends Chewie to find her, but doesn't really point him in a direction. He just says, go find her. Well, they can see her. They can see her through the window of the ship. Why didn't Chewie go that direction, though? He it did. Like he went the down well, way. Yeah, because you had to walk around oh, the rock oh, to go where she was at because the yep. ship was facing this way. You walk out of the back of the ship. You got to walk around, and the they f- would have been behind. Yep. Because <laughs> okay. we see when when Ray uh, walks into the desert, you see the Knights of the Wren of Ren poke around the corner because they're they're fucking there. Yep. Kylo knows where she is at 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 any given moment because she hasn't she can't cut herself off from the Force like Luke did. Mm-mm. That's why Kylo could She's never find vulnerable. Luke. Yes. Exactly. Especially with. Her dark side tendencies, which we haven't talked about yet, which we're getting ready to. Uh, yeah, because they, the Knights of Ren and the First Order, capture Chewie mm-hmm. and put him on a speeder. He's in chains. He's going into this transport. And we've seen this before with Chewie. It's like, oh, he's in whatever. He's going to be bait. Not a big deal. And the ship starts to take off, and Finn comes running around screaming to Ray. Ray, they got Chewie. They got Chewie. Oh my God! And he's pointing at the ship. He's just pointing at this ship. And blindly. this was this was after the original trailer we got, where she does the, you know, the parkour flips over or over Kylo the tie ship, silencer, which we don't see her actually in the trailer cut 
with the lightsaber. Yeah, we just see her jump over it. And it was awesome to see that, like, he just crashes the shit. And I was like, they killed him like that? That's pretty fucking brutal. But nah. then I thought, he's strong in the Force. He protected himself. I'm not. I'm sure they're not that dumb. And then we get the spaceship tug of war, which, bro, <laughs> not what I expected. Because my thought was, and I almost looked at you and I was about to say, they're going to rip this ship in half. Because she's going to be going one way, he's going to be the other, and she's going to rip in half, and and everybody's going to... Nope. Ray conjured up something much worse, bro. She fucking force lightning the ship. Till it exploded to death. And crashed. And she killed Chewie. Or so we think. But they were really... I will say that. Do you think they were too quick to, like, backtrack us into knowing yes. the real fate of Chewie? Should they have let that be a yes. little bit later in the film? Mm-hmm. I thought so, too. But the problem... And I I think that would have been really tough to do because the next place they go after they leave the Festival of the Elders is straight to the capital ship. Or, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. They go to... Um, Babu Frick. They mm-hmm. go see Babu Frick after that. So they go to an entirely different planet. They realize that Chewie is still alive on that planet when they get to the capital ship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they let us know basically right away that Chewie's alive. They let the main characters know, like, almost 15 minutes later. I would have liked to have just seen, like... The, no resolution that he is alive until we saw him bam. physically. Like, because th- there's a, we find out who the mole is when we get to Kylo's capital ship. Mm-hmm. The mole could have easily said, Chewbacca's over here. I'm going to let him out of his cell with this data pad. Mm-hmm. Go get him and get the fuck out of here. You know that I think that would have been a little bit more well done. But it, with the time, with the time that they had and how they shot things, it might have been a little bit more difficult to pull off. True. Uh, so after they see Babu Frick, who erases three PO's memory. Oops. T- yep. We get to. We also get introduced to Zora Bliss, or Zori Bliss. I'm sorry. Um, which a lot of people. Oh, there's been a lot of speculation up to this point that she was actually Ray's mother. I'm really glad that they didn't go that route because. One of the the biggest like critiques that reviewers have been talking about since the premiere was not that Zori Bliss was a forced character because I th- I think the character is is pretty well done. It's that the romance that is there between Zori and Poe feels too much like the romance between Han and Kira. So. They had the romance between Han and Kira, which didn't really feel good when you watch Solo. It feels very, very forced. You just change the actors, and nothing really changed. And what and what the reason you're feeling that is is very easy because we are introduced to a brand new character in Zori, who we have no expositional past to, and we're supposed to assume that we care about her, while also assuming Poe just has this thing for her, and while. There is some comic levity there, the, Oscar. The, the, the comedic elements of that, I, I very much enjoyed. Like just the looks and stuff they gave each other, and she's mm-hmm. got the helmet on, so you can't really like it. that. Was nice, but there's not enough like time to flesh out her story to give me enough to care about. It was cool to see her return later in the film, obviously. Oh yeah, and, and you're just like, yes, we've done it. But uh, that moment also felt like I think an AP nailed it. Uh, end game a little bit. There's something 
that we forgot to touch on during the Festival of the Elders. Oh, yeah. We got introduced to Lando Calrissian. Oh, yes, that's right. Because as they're running through the festival, they get spotted by the troopers and Lando saves because them. Because another thing that we forgot to mention is at this point in the series, the First Order is on every single planet. They are everywhere. It is basically Empire-level occupation. There are tr- boots on the ground on every populated planet so you cannot escape the first order anymore unless you go to the far reaches Mm -hmm. and even then and even then they're still they're still mildly there you know um but yeah so we get introduced to lando everything plays out in the desert and then we end up we meet zori we meet babu frick who was really really cute it was it was a little bit too much like we're gonna take something the same size as a porg and make it comedy you know okay um just a little bit too over the top i enjoy i enjoyed that sequence because you know throughout the film up until that point it's like you keep getting these little snippets of poe's backstory which i'm really glad they just said what he did in the past and then we moved on from it you know it's not like runner of spice we don't need we don't need fucking 20 or 30 minutes of exposition on why finn used to be a criminal because that that's too much han solo yeah. Finn doesn't, or I'm sorry, Poe does not need to be Han Solo. Poe needs to be Poe. Which he now, I think, has ascended to that mantle for yes. sure. And taken his own way. Uh, they leave the festival. They go to Babu Frick. After they go to Babu Frick, their plan is they know where they need to go. The forest moon, well, off of the forest moon of Endor. Well, they, everything has to play out on the capital ship before oh, can yeah, go, that's before right, we that's can go right. to Endor. So they... Uh, have another force FaceTime, Kylo and Ray, and then they go into full lightsaber battle. During force FaceTime. During force FaceTime. In two separate spaces. He is on the planet. She is in his capital ship. Jeez, looking she's in his bedroom. In his in his room looking at Vader's statue. That was one of the coolest. I said that last night too. The moment I mean they're fighting and at some point the the pedestal that's holding Vader's mask gets cut in half, which we've just... seen a lot in TV spots, and we we've not we've had no context on what that is. Totally, because you don't see Vader's helmet on top of the pedestal; you just see the pedestal being shattered, and you're just like weird. And then it falls, and that symbolism was just like, oh, he's pissed. But it's it's really really good foreshadowing too, because we've now, like, we have set the precedent like fully at this point that. Ray and Kylo, the bond that they have through the Force, they can transfer physical objects through space-time. Weirdly enough, but yes. Uh, and they are, and we learn this, a dyad, right? That was the word that was used, a mm-hmm. dyad, because, um, and I guess this is a little bit deep. Is that that much deeper? No, he told her there, right? During the, when she's on his capital ship, she learns the truth of her parents, mm-hmm. which were that they chose to be nobody. Not that they were nobody, mm-hmm. but that they chose to be nobody. And what we failed to mention is Kylo's mission this whole movie is to essentially decide if he's bringing Rey to the Emperor or not. Well, he said, just kill her. Yeah. And, and he's like, I don't want to do that because they have this like special bond. So he tells her the truth. And the, they are a dyad because he is the son of Anakin mm-hmm. and has this very, very dark path and special power within him. And she is the granddaughter of fucking Palpatine, mm-hmm. which, and I told you this, like, way back, J.I.C., I don't know, it was probably, like, 
95 or I it, it would have probably been after that like one something but anyways whenever it was when Force Awakens came out there was a toy that leaked and I don't it was like a prototype toy and it said on the box Ray Palpatine and they removed that and her she just went as Ray and I've never forgot that fact so I've always just like kind of in the back of my mind going is she gonna really turn out to be a Palpatine is what, she gonna be Obi-Wan's granddaughter and what you and I talked about a lot last night is how much speculation there's been since the Force Awakens that you know, when the controversy arose that we don't know who this girl's parents are. You know, what is the what is this bloodline here? You know, Disney has backpedaled and, and tried so hard to make it to where you don't need blood to be a strong force user. And I, I really appreciate all that they're trying to do, but they fought against themselves in this movie with Ray ending up being a Palpatine. It made sense narratively, and I appreciated it, but if you're going to do all the groundwork to make it where anyone can be a Jedi or a Sith... Don't make everyone just Skywalkers and Palpatines, you know. I vibe that, yeah, totally. I think c- not, c- not again, not not a jab at Disney or Lucasfilm for that, because I narratively it made sense and I appreciated it. Just, you would have preferred the creative risk of not making her in the bloodline, or or maybe two. or maybe somebody a little bit less known, you know. Just read this book and then now you see the the she is the great great grandchild of. Uh, the great 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 grandchild of fucking XR Kun. There you go. Or 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 something along those lines. Yeah, there's just like a long bloodline that's not within the imminent time yes. frame that we've been working with. That makes sense. It also brings up an, an interesting question of what was happening during the Empire Strikes Back time frame. Like Vader is porking somebody. The Emperor has a kid who is porking somebody. Timelines are the same, and they both have kids. And now that's Ray and Ben, and they're like essentially the same age, they have the same kind of power a level that is insane, so much so, and even the Emperor mentions it, that they can transfer force life to and from each other, and that's ta- what we learn. Well, you take life to give life. Yes. So they sacrifice a little bit of their essential essence to give something else uh, life. Correct. And uh, I'm trying to think. We have the reveal that Ray's a Palpatine. She's kind of panicked by that. And he tells her, like, to embrace the darkness. And then she goes, I'm going to Exegol, like, hell or high water now. It's time. Mm-hmm. And they, I know that they fly the Millennium Falcon there. And there's no landing gear. Well, they go to Endor first. That's right. That's right. They have to go to Endor first where the Death Star is. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Man, that was a cool scene too. Yeah, they 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 um, they crash land the Falcon. They uh, interact with people who are all ex stormtroopers. We find out later in the movie, all children that were taken from their families, like Finn. Um, you know that moment of Finn, and I cannot. I have, I've already forgotten that. Jenna, kid. thank you, Jenna. She's not that they're not um, alone. She was JN whatever mm-hmm. whatever whatever number. It was a longer number than Finn. She yep. had like five digits instead of the four. Yep. So there's a really nice bond that gets built between those two and then and, and that group of people because they're all... I really, really like what they did with... I got to go way back in time here with, with the entire trilogy, but I really like how they changed the First Order Stormtroopers because it, it draws a lot of real-life parallels with child soldiers in Africa and the Middle East and that that's a problem on the the world scale that doesn't get talked about talked enough. about enough. Correct. Um, you know, to see that's a really feel good moment for us 
when you know we don't have child soldiers here, but it's it, it makes it it grounds it a little bit so we can understand that these children that are all soldiers in these these fucking awful terrible regimes they don't always want to be they well they don't want to be and they can have a future without it. So we, as this big democracy, we're supposed to be the the shining star in the world. We need to expend some effort and and help these people, you know, get more out of life. That's how you raise a true army, is pull people together mm-hmm. from places that are pulling people apart and have unity based on. And that's what the rebellion does. Yep. And 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 they, and, they, and we get that also later into the movie too. So, uh, so they're they're discussing. You know, there's the feel good moment between uh, Finn and Jenna. They got to repair the Falcon to get to the Death Star because it's in the ocean essentially. Um, and the skimmer craft that they have to get out there, they don't want to risk it because the, there's too much chop. Because there's like fucking eighty foot it's waves. It's like it's like literally when the Death Star hit that planet, it has never stopped having that tide. Mm-hmm. It's just been extreme tides nonstop. And and you know they're fixing the Falcon. They're just about ready to go. And fucking Ray says, "Fuck it, I'm getting me a skimmer and I'm going." Did you enjoy Pirate Ray? Uh, I didn't. Enjoy it, but I didn't hate it. Okay, it 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 felt right at the time. Totally, I, I agree. Because that's with that. something Luke would have done. Yes, like I don't. Whatever, I'm gonna risk it. I, I can't wait. Yep. We we cannot because what we haven't brought up so far in the episode is we mildly talked about the the parallels between a Force Awakens and a New Hope and how they're almost an identical movie. You know, we talked about the differences between them. The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, together, not standing on their own, are Empire and Return of the Jedi. But this Rise of Skywalker, standing on its own feet, is the perfect combination of parts of A New Hope, parts of Empire Strikes Back, and parts of Return of the Jedi. Because... In Empire Strikes Back, when Luke is on Dagobah, he's training. That's what we see at the beginning of the movie with Rey. He doesn't want to train. He thinks he's ready. He has the, the, the cave experience. You know, he's got to go do all these things. He cannot let Han and Leia fall. He cannot stand by oddly while they fall. And you have the foreshadowing at the beginning of the film with Poe and Rey. You can't just fucking train anymore. We need you. Yeah. You know, which is is the opposite of that dichotomy. Because she's afraid to embrace and actually do the thing while Luke didn't have the ability or power yet and was trying to force the thing. Mm-hmm. And she's beyond ready. And then once Rey gets onto the Death Star, we get Luke's cave scene. You know, she goes into this hidden chamber where the of the Emperor's and she sees the dark side version of herself. And even fights the dark and, side version and, of and, herself. And right mildly there. fights it. And and that's what Luke did on Dagobah. Hit the dark side version of himself was was Vader. He would have if if everything would have played out in the original trilogy the way that Palpatine wanted it to play out, Luke would have ascended to Vader. He would have killed him. Palpatine would have maimed him and would have put him in the suit. Yep. That's what would have happened. So People can complain about The Force Awakens not being original and The Last Jedi for all of the the failures that it had or the shortcomings that it had, not failures. The Rise of Skywalker has some points that it falters, but it it is the first two movies just wrapped into one package 
and then everything is made right. So before we get to the end of this, because we are very close to the end, I wanted to get that out there because it will... The Rise of Skywalker is a complete movie, and it's the first one of the trilogy that is a complete film. And I, I don't know if you agree or disagree. I, I, I do agree, and let me let me dive into and give the listener why I, th- why I think you're saying that. Because, see, with Force Awakens, you're starting a new trilogy mm-hmm. while tethering an old trilogy. Exactly. So it, it's not its own thing. And then you had The Last Jedi, which creatively takes its own risks and tries to be its own thing while still being very grounded in this thing we know. This movie was like, okay, we can do our own thing. We know how we want to wrap this. We can tell the story we want to tell. Be fearless, and it's not going to go wrong because we have all these things to look at. And we can stay true to the groundwork that's been laid up until this exactly. point. Exactly. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. So I think they nailed it. So there's a little bit of confusion about kind of what takes place next. Uh, you know, talking to Blaine about it last night, I don't know that he necessarily agrees with me, but. We get an interaction between Ray and Darkseid Ray. They battle it out a little bit. She gets the Sith Wayfinder, which and thrust out of the fucking, which cave. is a holocron. Mm-hmm. Let's let's yes. say it without actually saying it. Thank you. Um, so she gets the Sith holocron. She's in the Emperor's chambers. Lo and behold, who's there? Kylo Ren. But there is a very specific scene or, or a camera angle that takes place in the next sequence of events where Kylo and Rey start to battle it out after some exposition, and it focuses on Kylo Ren's foot as it slides across the me- the, the steel. Mm-hmm. There's water on the ground, but the water don't move. Where was the last time we saw that shot? At the, at the climax of The Last Jedi with Luke yep. and Kylo. He fucking digs his on foot crate. in. On crate. Yep, on crate. The salt moves. You see the red soil. Luke does the same thing. We got no red soil. So I think the exchange that they have inside the Death Star up until they get out of it mm-hmm. is all force FaceTime yep. or force projection Kylo because they battle it out outside. Finn tries to intervene. Ray basically says, force fuck off. She pushes him the fuck away. Yep. Nope. You've done this once before. Yeah. And it didn't go well. You didn't do so hot. You almost died. <laughs> yep. So go ahead and stay back. Um, but we get this this cinematically very, very fucking badass scene of Kylo coming out of a tsunami or a fucking tidal wave, basically. But he's all wet now. Yeah. So they battle it out. Ray wins. Clearly. Because, she him. because Leia distracts Ben. Uh-huh. And... She she has pity on her adversary. She heals him. She fucking stabbed him in the gut with a lightsaber. With his own lightsaber. With his own lightsaber. The last person we saw get stabbed in the gut... Through with that lightsaber. Was was Han, but the last person we... Last Jedi we saw got stabbed in the gut was fucking uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, and there wasn't no coming back from that. No. Chippy-choppy um, in half. He was, he was Dunzoni. But, uh... Let bygones be Qui-Gons. Let, let bygones be Qui-Gons. So she she has like a panic attack almost and jumps in his TIE silencer and then fucking flies off to go to Exegol because she doesn't need the holocron that she found because... She's got his ship. And Ben crushed it. Yeah, and he... Oh, that was one of the coolest things. He crushes it. If you're going to Exegol, you're coming with me. <gasps> like, this is brutal. Mm-hmm. No, and then she doesn't. 
she doesn't go with him, and she leaves Ben on the Death Star 2. Death Star 2, we should right. clarify. Death Star 2, and he's on the out- outer side of it that's just crashed into the ocean and having this, like, I'm still alive, I can't believe it moment, and he hears a voice. Hey, kid. Huh. Dude. Huh. I So when I thought Chewie was dead, mm-hmm. I looked at you and I went, bro. Because I was pissed. Yeah. I, I was visibly Especially angry. Especially as, as being a fan of the Legacy series and reading how he dies in the this, in this stories. Which like, which you could do, no, you, you could not, it could not be more well done. Yeah, you, it's not going to happen. And to, to send Chewie out like that, I was visibly pissed. And then, you know, that all, that, at that moment, you know, we figure out Chewie's alive, all is well. And in my mind, I thought, okay, they can't get me again. They got me once. They ain't going to get me no twice. You're not going to get me twice. And, you know, Ben is just, he's hes mortified. The girl beat him again. Soundly. Soundly. To be fair, he she was had distracted. Some help. She had some yep, help. Yep, yep, yep. But, hey, kid. When I heard fucking Harrison Ford's, or Harrison Ford's voice, I wanted to fucking stand up and scream. I was so fucking excited because no one knew. No one saw it coming. No one fucking called it. I heard no one talk about it. No one even hint at it. What if Harrison Ford's in this movie as a force ghost? You know, not even anything like that. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Not at all. And I want everyone to experience that scene organically without spoiling what exactly happens well you know we've already talked about it the 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 words that are exchanged and all that but the adam driver and harrison ford on screen together in that moment amazing i have seen very few things on the big screen that are as pure and well done as that exchange that we get in in Rise of Skywalker. Oh yeah, because it's perfect. It's perfect in every way. You get a sacrifice from a major character, which we might as well go ahead and talk about it because we have to talk about the Carrie Fisher stuff. Man, Carrie Fisher reaches out into the Force to distract Ben, but also to try to one last time convince him to come home to try and bring him back, mm-hmm. and. At that moment, that is all that Leia has left. And she fades. She's done. Brutal. And then you get the Hey Kid and the exchange between Han and and now Ben Solo. Let's call it right. What a legacy for Carrie Fisher. Dude, the story that not only Leia, but Carrie Fisher as an actress portrays and going from Princess Organa to General Organa to the to the tide that turns to essentially she is the balance to the force. If you really look at it, mm-hmm. she is the one, not Luke. They were right. Somebody would bring balance to the force. And while Luke tried and he did everything right, Leia is the one. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it's it's so like it's so profound to think about like at the end of Empire, or towards the end of Empire, when Luke is leaving Dagobah, you know, Obi-Wan says, he's our last hope. And and Yoda says, there's another. He's not our last hope. There's another. And then when Luke and Vader are battling it out with the Emperor in Return of the Jedi, 
Palpatine knows, mm-hmm. and he brings up your sister. And it's like, and then Vader starts. The, Vader starts. Well, if I can't have you, I'll just go get Leia. And it's like, oh fuck! And for everybody that complained about Leia having Force abilities, like, come Why on, she? come on, man. She is half of a whole. All of Vader's essence, like in his progeny, was split between Luke and Leia. And I hate to bring up midichlorians. I know it's a stupid thing. What the fuck ever. But if you were to look at it from a midichlorian perspective, if his numbers are quote-unquote off the charts insane, and that essence, like you said, is transferred through birth, then the essence is split in half, and Luke is this embodiment of power. He's half of a dyad. Let's talk about it yet again. Thank you. And here's an interesting thing. While Kylo and Rey had this like almost sibling thing through the whole movie, they still kind of played Skywalker with how they uh, wrapped some things up. And we'll well, and, that and, more and too. if you think back to Empire, mm-hmm. Leia knows when Luke's hanging off the bottom of Cloud City. Leia has feelings. She like her Force stuff starts to blossom in Empire, mm-hmm. and then you get to Return, and it's like. I can feel my brother. I know I know he's okay. Yep. And you know, you have you have all these subtle exchanges between Leia and Han or Leia and Luke. And it, it just at that time watching those movies, you know, organically, it just felt natural. Like she's got she's got some of the sauce, but she's just choosing not to embrace it. And then come to find out Leia, Leia's got a whole lot of the sauce, but focuses on being a mother and a wife and a leader, and she doesn't go down that path. She knows she doesn't need to because Luke is okay. And then in The Rise of Skywalker, it comes to come to find out Luke trained her as her as his apprentice. And that's actually, let's talk about that because there is a scene we missed before Rey goes to Exegol. She actually goes to exile mm-hmm. instead of Mexico. Oh, thank, thank she, you, thank she you. She decides that she's going to do what Luke what Luke did. did, and I'm just going to be on this island. I'm going to cut myself off from the Force. I can't. I just, I, 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 I cannot be a Palpatine. I killed an unkilled Chewie. Like that's enough stress on you in one day. Mm-hmm. I learned that I'm a fucking Palpatine. The Emperor wants me for whatever nefarious. Well, reason. And, and real quick, we forgot to mention the vision that she had. Of her sitting on the dark throne of the Sith. Yeah. And that has haunted her from the beginning of the film. I can't believe we missed that. Yes. Uh, But she didn't have the vision of just her on the throne alone. It was her and Kylo. Mm -hmm. Well, but she actually clarifies because she says, no, it was you, Ben, I think, in that moment. Yeah. so she goes to exile, and the, her first, like, quote-unquote order of business is to chuck the lightsaber. She crashes the TIE silencer, lights it on fire, and then starts just keep chucking wood into it. And then she's finally had enough. The fucking hot, the fire is hot enough. She throws the lightsaber in it. Somebody's hand catches it. And God damn it. They got you again. They got me again. (laughs) Those bamboozling sons of bitches. They got me again. Because we have talked at length as a a group, as a unit, about how how tough it's going to be to not bring in Force Ghosts, to bring in Force Ghosts. It's it's gonna be a fucking uh, a force ghost fire sale. Who who is gonna be a force ghost in this movie? And we got one, and that's all we needed. Yeah, well, and then ultimately two. 
but we'll go. Well, yeah, that's yeah. later. Uh, but so he catches it, and he's like, "What are you doing?" Like, and there, there's some comedic, there's some comedic relief there because he's like, "I've done this already. It's pretty dumb." Remember the whole tree thing? You know, he didn't say it that way, but exactly. It was, but it was like, I tried to burn the fucking Jedi text. Like, we can't be doing this. Uh, but uh, in that moment is when he reveals to her the flashback we get and them using this technology that Disney is learning to master where they take us back to a time we thought was not ever going to be able to be touched. Luke and Leia looked good. That they, was they looked that really CGI good. looked good. Yeah. And it was dark obviously. It was nighttime in the scene so it kind of helped shadow maybe some of the But I mean they've hit a home runs going back to Grand Moff Tarkin. They did Leia, I mean at the end of Rogue One. Rogue One. This this was a fucking Pre-lap. Rogue One is a pre-lap to what they did in, in this movie because exactly. they needed to, okay, well, let's bring this back again and we can use it in a different way and make this a very sensible tool. And learning that Leia has had a lightsaber or had a lightsaber this whole time, what the fuck? And it was meant for her. So it was meant for Rey because you, you talk about, like, we have now, The Rise of Skywalker has now validated everything that Leia has done or not done throughout the entire saga. And she was a fully trained Jedi. At, at the end of the scene, she essentially says, I'm not going to continue my training because of this vision that I had, which Luke wasn't having visions. Mm -mm. You think back to the people who had visions, Anakin mm -hmm. and Yoda. Yep, They had the power of foresight. Mace Windu did not. Qui-Gon Jinn did not. Obi-Wan did not. Like... The most powerful Force users had this, and she got that sauce from her daddy. Mm -hmm. She got that. I uh, don't call it daddy. D sauce. No, no, we're not going to call it daddy <laughs> sauce. Um, earlier, connotation in 2019. Earlier, when we were talking about Cara Dune getting force choked, I saw a meme yesterday. I shared it while Baby Yoda was choking her. Choke me, daddy. Choke me harder, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking, I lost my shit. Because when Skylar and I watched it organically, the first thing I said was, choke me harder, daddy. Oh, that's And Ruby goes, daddy, you're silly. <laughs> <laughs> but so Leia essentially, you know, her last will and testament to Luke was like 20 years before the scene that we get. And it was, when the time is right, give the person. Who deserves this. Who deserves this, my lightsaber. And it's it fucking, the lightsaber is beautiful. It's, you know, dark and it's got like rose gold accents and she fucking flicks it on and it's a blue saber. I will say. But it's a little bit purple. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out one tiny complaint about this, this, the sequel trilogy. There were zero green lightsabers. Well, you had the one with Luke and Leia fighting. I mean, I'm talking, let me clear it, clarify the lightsabers that the new cast used. They were all red or blue. They were only those two colors. They did not bring the green back for any circumstance. They did throw another curveball at us with the color, and we'll talk about that too. But I agree with you about Leia's having a slightly purplish hue, and I loved that. It was subtle. It was nice. Uh, so Luke's like, you're going to take both sabers, and you're going to go to Exegol, and you're going to face the Emperor. Because this this is your... He says it again. He says it in The Last Jedi. It's like, your fight now. It's your fight now. I can't do this for you. Yoda can't do it. We, we cannot do this for you. And then he even explains to her, like, a thousand generations live in you now. And, 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 and that's not a... Which, um, it, which is, uh, like, 
climactic foreshadowing to what we had at the beginning of the film. But it was le- and it's less metaphorical as well. It's that he actually means that literally. They live in you in some way. Which was very beautiful because one thing that I didn't understand at the beginning of the film when she's doing the meditation like Luke did with mm-hmm. the rocks up in the air mm-hmm. and doing all that. Be with me. Be with me. Be with me. Is she trying to contact Luke? Is she trying to contact someone else? Is she trying to contact her parents? I think she's, I mean, then we learned this, like you're about right. to say, she learned, she, she's trying to contact like the Jedi line. All of them. Like she's calling the Jedi hotline and it is busy. All of them. It has been busy for a while and she's waiting for them to pick up. Yes. And you're caller number seven. She probably called collect and that's why they didn't answer. She uh, she called and it was uh, strange from. <laughs> hey, this is strange, Brando. I've got another Metallica album for you. Why don't you swing on down and pick it up? We can go get some steak and shake afterwards because my life is a mess and I have no human interaction other than you. Come on down. Only Lafayette people are gonna get that. That's all right. That's great. Uh, that's this awesome. is strange on ninety three five KHY. That was good. That's my best strange, and it's not very good. Brando does it the best. Well, yeah, Brando knows him personally. I mean, they're best buds. He calls him on Tuesdays. He's like, what's up, brother? When I worked at Subaru, I used to, like, we would be working, and I would just randomly make the joke, like, hey, Brando, this is strange. Uh, do you think you can swing down to the pharmacy and pick up my prescriptions? <laughs> I can't make it out of the office, and I need a hand. And a hand job. This is strange. I am crying for help. Somebody please come and get me. <laughs> but yeah, so like the first half of the movie has some good action and it has a lot, a lot of plot threads that are uh, that are starting and finishing, starting and finishing very, in very quick fashion. And that's one of the complaints that you and I had. But at the end of the movie, it all makes sense. And it's like, okay, was the movie a little bit choppy at times? Yes, that's Star Wars. Has to be. Has to be. I'm okay with it. Could they make Star Wars better by making things like transitions? Sure. But it doesn't have to be. Sure. Did they tie everything up in a bow and make it all make sense in the last act of the film? Undoubtedly, no issues. And you know what we didn't even mention is that uh, throughout the, the, a thread through pretty much the whole movie is once you hear the Emperor's voice, we also learned that the Last Order... Has been. Oh, given. yeah, we didn't talk about that at all. And holy shit. The Emperor just raises this fucking insane army of Imperial destroyers that have essentially Starkiller technology on the Imperial destroyers. Every Star Destroyer is now a planet killer. You have, mo- you have a uber mobile Death Star. You don't need the power of the sun for Starkiller base. You don't need a space station the size of a moon. Nope. You've got fucking mobile planet killers. And they start doing it. Yeah, we get one planet ultimately destroyed, and that was uh, fucking Babu Frick's planet, which I forgot the name of already. I can't remember it either. Uh, it's like, I want to say it was like fucking Zazu or something, but it wasn't Zazu. So, that sounds right. It's, cl- it's very close. We're going to call it fucking Zazu. Zazu. We're on Zazu. So Zazu gets fucking blown the fuck up, which is sad. Practical effect. You noticed? Mm-hmm. They used old school Star oh, yeah. Wars practical effects and actually blew something up. Another thing that I want to talk about is my man Luke, my main man Luke, finally pulled that fucking X-Wing out of the water. Yeah. And all he had to do was die to do it. <laughs> yeah. It only cost him his life, but yeah. he did it. Yeah. No, that was awesome. That, and they got me there because I was like, wait, what's he... <gasps> 
the X-Wing. I knew. I knew. It's the X-Wing. I knew as soon as she's like, well, I can't get there. Fuck, if you can't. Watch me. You you going. You going. You going to be there. And then we get, um, you know, we, we flash forward. C-3PO gets his memory back. They mobilize the resistance. They're all uh, temporarily dealing with the death of Leia, and you can see that it is visibly shaken. Oh, it, it is hit everybody. And that was like because she's the paragon of that society. Mm-hmm. You know, of, of of all the let's just say major systems that have abandoned the rebellion. We think back to the Last Jedi when they sent out the call and no one fucking answered. You know what beautiful foreshadowing there. Obviously, it wasn't intended to be. Mm-hmm. But it, it comes full circle at the at the the climax of this film, and then Lando and Chewie Lando's home in the Falcon finally, mm-hmm. and you know I I thought it was going to be a little bit one one complaint that I had with Lando was I figured the uh, the return to the Falcon would be a little bit more somber emotional like because what have they done to you well <laughs> and Han's gone and Han yes so. Yeah. The way that they did Lando's Return to the Falcon in this film is they essentially took all of his lines from Return of the Jedi and just plugged them in. Which I'm not complaining. I'm just right. saying it, it's it's almost verbatim. Like he just didn't do it. Yeehaw! He didn't he didn't do any of that shit. You're right. You know? You're right. <clears throat> um, but Han and Chewie have a mission to go to all of the the core systems. Lando. I said Han, didn't I? Fuck. I, it, Fuck. I know. Fuck. Me too. Kill me. I'm, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. But so Lando and Chewie, um, they have the mission to go to all the core systems. <clears throat> Get all you can. And Get them all. And just send down a message that we don't need soldiers. We need anybody with a ship willing to fight the final order. Not the first order. Not the Galactic Empire. Yep. The last order because- We're all going to die if you don't. They have given us a time frame, and they're going to be blowing up every planet that is not Exegol. The end, which I don't really know how planetarily that would have worked in their galaxy to just blink everybody out of existence. And well, just it have... was any planet that wouldn't submit. Oh, you surrender okay. or you die. Surrender. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So that's happening. Ray makes it to Exegol and just says, I'm going in alone. I'm, I'm going in hot. I'm going in fast. It's time. She gets in there. She's climbing around. She finds her way into the Emperor's chamber, and there she sees it, and it hits her. In a weight that I just ate up. I loved it so much, her seeing the throne. Because you can visibly see it like, that's the fucking thing. I'm like inches from the thing I said I didn't want to be anywhere near. When when the Emperor makes his entrance and they start the exposition and then he appeals to the crowd, what beautiful fucking cinematography. You've got the background, it's dark, you can't see anything. And then they tweak the contrast just a little bit, and then you see thousands upon thousands of Sith worshippers, of Sith worshippers or, or sympathizers, and they are there to watch the show mm-hmm. because she is about to ascend, and really, he, the Emperor, is about to ascend. Mm-hmm. He's about to get him some new skin, and Ray actually digs. starts to kind of buy into this. For a second, you think she's like just going to let it happen. And you're just like, what the fuck is she thinking? But she's not. She's playing a game. She's playing the long game. And she goes for the kill. And it it doesn't quite work out that way. And then she realizes she has two sabers. And she almost does it again. Well, and, and let me ask you this. The TIE fighter that's sitting next to Luke's X-Wing. Mm-hmm. That looks like a brand new TIE fighter. 
of the original Imperial colors. Yeah. <gasps> Kylo never left the Death Star 2. That is all force projection. Just like when Luke ended up on a crate. And that will that actually justifies deeper what ends up happening in the end there. So <clears throat> you and it actually then undoes my theory of them being just like the Skywalkers, and I'll go there too. But uh so Ray is about to succumb to this, mm-hmm. and here we get the smack talker skywalker fucking ben solo just like he's gunning it military man man, just fucking not in his kylo dregs at all he is in basic like garb i I loved it when he jumps and lands on the chain and you get a little bit of han comes out oh like oh hurt yep like oh damn it and then adam driver starting to turn up just a pinch of that comedic which we never you know maybe there's a couple scenes that are comedic because happenstance like him smashing the fuck out of his helmet is really fucking funny to me or when um the lightsabers in the fucking one room. General Hux is talking and he just goes, <laughs> but he puts the finger up instead of the hand. Yeah, he's just like silence. <laughs> oh man. Mm. Uh, but uh, oh, we didn't discuss that with Hux because it's found that Hux is the traitor. That he H- helps, Hux is the mole. He's the mole, and he helps Finn and Poe po and Chewie escape. Well, he at least gets close to letting them escape. Um, and then Richard Grant's character had, uh, Admiral, I can't remember what his name was. Uh, it was, uh, Supreme General Greer? Might be. I think that's actually right. Yeah. So he just fucking turned, boom, murks out Hux like nothing. We found the mole. Really, really clever, uh the acting at least for the scenes leading up to that because I didn't think Hux was going to be the mole. I thought General Greer was the mole. Yeah. Because how every time Kyle was like, well, you know, we got this prisoner and he's like, take take Chewbacca to, you know, the, this interrogation cell. And the way they focused on his face every time, I thought surely he was the mole. Yeah, and it could have been because he's the new character. I think that's why they didn't go that route, though, because the new character being the mole, it's like it's obvious. It being a character we've had since, I mean, listen, I don't know about you. There is not a moment in cinematic history, and I'm talking, I don't care about uh, Last Jedi. I don't care about the old trilogy. I don't care about anything else. But one scene in The Force Awakens that set Hux up, and that's when he is on the deck of Starkiller Base, and there's all of the first order in front of him and he is giving that screaming dictator dictator he's he is hitler Hitler in that moment absolutely and that is a powerful moment it's the first time they use star killer base right Mm -hmm. and um to have that full circledness where it's not even about him not wanting to be a part of the first order he likes his job and he's obviously pretty cushy or he would try to leave more and be more resistant right he just really fucking hates kylo and really hates that kylo is the supreme leader now because he was supposed to be that correct and he got skipped yep he got fucking force choked and nope i'm gonna do my thing and you're gonna daddy hush you're gonna you're (laughs) gonna do what daddy says (laughs) oh gosh but so so we get uh uh, ben solo cooking it through the temple i mean he's going as fast as he can he's got nothing it's just him yep and um because he threw his lightsaber into the fucking ocean 
which I thought was kind of dumb. It was but, a pretty stupid decision, but I think it was him being tethered to the dark side. If he even had that saber, he could still feel well, it. Well, and it was good parallel because Ray tried to throw her lightsaber away. So so the cinematography makes sense. He threw his red saber into the water. She tried to throw her blue saber yes. into the fire. Yep. They're a dyad. Yep. So Ben, ben is almost there. Until? Re- until the Knights of Ren just, hey, you trained us to fight uh, like Sith and stuff. But we were still the Knights of Ren first. We adopted you. Yep. And you betrayed us. We're going to fuck you up now. And, and you ain't got nothing. <laughs> and you got nothing. And he, you know, he's force pushing. He's still getting the fuck beat out of him. He's trying. He's trying to get it. But then we get back to the scene with uh, Ray and the Emperor, and she, like, Go. He's like telling her to strike him down, and she gets her hand up. It was all. It was the last Jedi with with Snoke. Take your lightsaber and, and strike, strike her back. down. Yeah, and then she puts her hand down and it kind of does like like jazz hands. Like, look at what I don't have anymore. And Snoke's like, what? And then uh, Palpatine. Or Palpatine. God damn it, I did it. <laughs> and then she draws her lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And then Ben has. Luke's saber, which mm-hmm. is dope, and is fighting the Knights of Ren, <clears throat> finally makes his way there. Well, I really, really loved, you know, when they do the the force transfer of Luke's saber, and then he's got it in his hand. He knew what he was asking for, mm-hmm. and all of the Knights of Ren stand back because they got they can do nothing at this point. They Not know they're the lightsaber. Dead. Uh, maybe if 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 uh, if they had vibro weapons, but maybe it, or, or if Ben didn't have the saber like he initially didn't have, like they're like, oh, he's just a fucking man now. It's not a big deal, you know. <laughs> However, <laughs> things transpired differently than they intended. Totally. Uh, so we get uh, Ben and Ray facing the Emperor. And he drains them of their life force because at first, at first he's like he's like holding them off, but he's like this is peculiar. As I'm doing this, I'm actually taking your life force like it's actually working. I don't think I've ever been able to do this before. And he's like healing himself, and he's like I'm fucking healing myself. And I was like no 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 don't no 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 don't. Well, and he says uh, a bond like this has not been seen in generations. Yeah. You know, which just goes to show uh, the life, like the 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 longevity that Palpatine had, and the the longevity of his mind, like everything that he knows in his long, long lifetime. Because he says, "I've died before." Mm-hmm. So, do in my opinion, the Palpatine that we're seeing right now is a clone that the essence has just been transferred into, yes. and his his shell is not strong enough. Yes. To maintain it. That's yes. why he's trying to go to Ray. Exactly. Uh, so he takes him out. And then we get a really kind of dope scene of the, like the return of full power Emperor Palpatine. He has got the like uh, scarlet garb on now. Oh, he's yeah. transformed the himself. eyes are fucking that amber back color. Back to the old dilation of like what, how he kind of looks when you get to Revenge of the Sith. And then we didn't yet mention it, but the Chewie Lando call out for help, very much like Endgame. Every ship in the galaxy shows up. Yep, and it's like holy fuck. And 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 the 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 last or the final order members are like, where'd they get all these this fighter craft? They don't have a navy. They're just they're just ships. They're just people. Uh oh. Do you think that uh, the Outrider Dash Rendar's ride was uh amongst well, all of that? I thought that I saw the Razor Crest. And there's been because that that scene that. <laughs> 
<laughs> that oh. image we've had that image for a while of all the ships being there. Really? Just, yes. Okay. It was just a still. We never saw any movement. So it's like we never got a trailer of or the all context. The sh- yes. Why they were there? We just saw a still of all those ships, and if you look at that still, and I'll have to pull it up. I'll put it in the chat later. Um, but I'm almost a hundred percent sure that you can see the Razor Crest. Uh, what's the Rebels ship? The Ghost. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure you can see the Ghost in there. I think the Outrider is one of the ones that's been rumored. If you look really hard, you can see it. Because even if Dash is not. Uh, helming the Outrider anymore, like he might have died in the time frame because this is set well past the but Empire. He's younger. He's younger than Han, though. Yeah, I guess that's true. So he would be like, he would. I don't know what the age range he would be closer to. Like he's like in his mid forties, fifties. This then would I, be. Well, I mean, what are what are we gonna say? Uh, Han and Leia are. Well, Han's definitely in his seventies. Okay. It's, it's visible, and I would say Leia was like in her mid sixties, or yeah. You know. So I would say Dash would probably be in his mid sixties. Da- I would say Dash and Lando are the same age. Okay, okay, okay. So, sure. um, but if if the Outrider is there, uh, him and Lobot, uh, or Lebo, is it Lebo or it's Lobot? Lebo. Lebo. That's what yeah. I thought. Um, if if Lando would have said, "Hey, I've got the Falcon. I need your help. Where's Han? They killed him." I'm in. Oh. You know, um, we need we need more Dash Rendar stuff. Shadows of the Empire fans would have went nuts. Everybody else been like, who the fuck is this guy? Play the fucking game. God, we need a remaster of that game. Totally. I absolutely am down for that. We need it. Or a complete overhaul and just redo that game. Or a Disney Plus, uh, Disney Plus show called Shadows, Shadows of the, the Empire. Empire. Uh, so so uh, Lando essentially brings the new rebel fleet the the galaxy standing in opposition to the final order they're doing everything they can they're they're doing what they can until I'm gonna let you describe this because it hit you so profoundly last night that I didn't think that you were gonna speak for the rest of the night okay so uh being a fan of Star Wars and like I, I always have had a, a fondness and, and as weird as it is for the Emperor, like he's just a character that even though I don't love his character, I love the character. Well, you got to think about it like our sample size of like the Dark Lord. We have like Sauron, who we only hear speaking in tongues. Yeah, we've got Voldemort, who is like always visible. You know, pull any other like overarching nemesis, the Dark Lord from any great literary work, mm-hmm. Palpatine stands out. He does. Because and he he masterminded this for generations. Well, and he gets his name Darth Sidious from being insidious. And I think that's a, is, is a kind of a great play on words, is his, his just ability to manipulate any situation. And he plays on, he knows how to take the Force and play on people's force feelings to make them do what he wants. Exactly. And that's what I love. So he has sucked the essence out of Ben and Ray, and you're just like, okay, shit has hit the fan. It cannot get worse. And then, like a literal tree that just takes root and shoots through the sky with millions of branches, God. he force lightnings every ship that is not in the Empire. What the fuck, dude? And it was so... The way they shot it, like they did this, like g- kind of go up into the lightning and like look up to the just the madness. It's, it's like, 
they they intentionally use that scene to say we have done this whole entire franchise all of Star Wars on having hope there is none and you will have none it was like every single ship in the rebel fleet got hit with an ion cannon at the same time and they are all they're going all dead down. in the water they're all dead in the they water are going down and while he's doing this he's ascending somehow some way ben stands up because he's a force projection and he's not fully there thought uh and the Pal- palpatine just fucking like force pushed him to death when i loved i loved the dialogue like uh you know the last skywalker will fall the way that i fell yes all those many years ago or however he said it and he just bye almost chinese football kicked yeah. him off the fucking table see you the fuck later and ben's body just ragdolls into oblivion and raised there and it that was the moment that's you, go ahead another another thing to notice uh and, and it might be just a trick of my mind but when he falls through that mist mm-hmm. the mist doesn't move he just disappears into the mist you are right it doesn't like envelop around him and make a change that's yeah okay 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 so ray is laying there essentially deceased she's got no life force left as far as we know and like she turns over to look up to the sky and Palpatine just like is still fucking them up with this lightning and there's tear rolling down her eye and you're just like it's toast man there's no we lost there is no zero less than zero hope uh and actually I how how did she get out of that situation exactly uh her her like Sight pattern just kept going up into the stars. Until she would be with me. That's right. And she said, be with me. And every generation of the Jedi ever answered her in that moment. Because up until that, up until that one instance, you hear Palpatine say it probably four or five times. I am the Sith. Every Sith lives in me. And if I if you strike me down, every Sith will live in you, and you will be Empress Palpatine. Oh. And during that whole exchange, when after she says "Be with me," and the Jedi finally answer her, you hear Hayden Christensen, you hear Luke, you hear Alec Guinness, you hear Alec Guinness, you hear Qui Gon, Samuel L. Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, you hear you hear dozens and dozens and dozens the of chick people from. Um... Clone Wars and Rebels. Oh, Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano. Yep. Yeah, she was in you, there too. You hear, you hear everyone answer the call, and she rises with a thousand generations of Jedi within her. And you want to talk about things that are literarily beautiful? That just feels good. Pure ascension yes. in the right way. And she stands up. And she gets up, and Palpatine's just like, oh, this is funny. Like, whatever. This girl really thinks she can stop me. And he force lightnings her again, and she stops it with the one saber. And you're like, whoa, she's a little bit stronger. Like, she's actually holding him off a little bit. And he's kind of pushing her back. And then she fucking brings out the second saber and crosses the streams and is pushing the force lightning back. Now, note, she's not using force lightning. She is just reflecting his back to him until he disintegrates. Mm-hmm. To because nothing. she didn't strike him down. Correct. If she would have done it to him, she would have ascended to the throne of the dark side. But she was just in defense. Mm-hmm. And she was just keeping herself pure, which was huge. And after she defeats him, she falls. She's spent. 
and you're just like, no, not again. We're losing another fucking person. A different... Who is actually going to die in this movie? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> None of the characters we thought were going to die died. Even 3PO, man. They even swerved on that because, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I teared up when in the trailer he says, let me take one last look at my friends. I was like, oh, no, please don't do this to me, you know? And then in the movie you hear it and you're like, but they're not killing him. They're not sending him on a suicide mission, so maybe there's a chance. And there was. Um, but she spent... She falls, and there's nothing left. And and I'm like, and I think I whispered over to you, I was like, Ben's about to save her. And then we see his hand come out of the cavern and fucking come up, and he pays her back, kind of. That life force that she gave him when he had fallen by her. He gives it back. He gives it back. Because you have to take life to give life. And he falls. Uh, not before the Skywalker kiss, though, because if they are kind of brother-sibling pair in that regard, they kind of had the... I Blaine hated it. I, I appreciated it. I appreciated it because it was like a gratefulness. Like, I understand that moment. They just saved the fucking galaxy. Well, and, and, and one thing that I really want to talk about, I they didn't force the Poe-Finn relationship in this movie, which... Thank you, because it's not it's not that it, it's not right as far as two men being together. It's... Timing didn't work out. Timing and the and, and the not writing, the, it just it wouldn't have made sense. The story was not told like, like the that. bromance that they have, perfect, awesome. An actual romance, it didn't really feel right. Not gonna lie, I was a little bit pissed at Finn in this movie. Because, how you gonna, how you gonna be all about Rose? Which I'm all about Rose. Well, she's, she's a hottie with a body. But then you go and then and you get Jenna, and you're just like, ah, oh, whatever, Rose, go leave. I'm gonna die with this chick. Well, they they <laughs> they wrote. They wrote uh, they wrote Rose away on purpose because of all of the that. fan backlash. Yes. I understand. I hated that though. Uh, and and I and in the same to- token, you can also say Finn would have a natural more connection to Jenna because they have literally had the same experience. They're, yeah, they're essentially the same. They're, they're opposite they sides of the same coin in yeah. a lot of ways. One thing that we have not talked about up until this point, before we go any farther, uh, where we're at, I want to hit pause on the Kylo and Ben or the Ben and Ray scene. Mm. To end the film, um, all of a sudden, Finn is having force powers manifest. Subtly. And that's been... They're I mean, manifesting the same way that they started with Leia, and I hate it. Why? It, it That feels forced. No pun intended. But I want you to think about Force Awakens. Okay. His decision in the first scene when they are taking out Poe, or they're, they're, they're capturing Poe. His decision is he he can feel it. He feels that it's not right to be killing these people. He literally, much like, uh, to go back to Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan, it's like when um, Alderaan, it's just a million voices going silent. And he is realizing that what he's doing is wrong. So it's the, it's the force of saying, like, right now, as a stormtrooper, he's neutral. And the force bumps him just a little bit. And it, he doesn't have to be special. Like you said, anybody can be a force user. Even the, And... We even have learned in The Mandalorian that the Force lives in every right. being. So that little kid in the end of The Last Jedi who pulls the broom to him, that might be the only Force trick he knows, and that's all he'll ever have. So what? Finn developing it, how can he not? He already kind of has little tinges, and he's near now the strongest, most powerful fucking Sith Jedi being to ever exist. Of mm-hmm. course he's going to be honed in a little bit more. Not to say he thinks he's going to make himself a Jedi or even be a strong Force user. Just to have the base level of being able to um, gut feeling, 
being and 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 that is very Leia-esque. Yeah, I can feel it. I understand what you're saying there. Yeah, that that like I said, it just it feels a little bit. But what if forced. they would have been like, this is Mace Windu's kid, and he's fucking a force user and has the lightsaber. I I don't think that story would have made sense either. No, so it wouldn't have being slightly subtle. Is better than being obnoxiously it was just, over it the was top. Too, it, like, y- you felt it... T- like, the second half of the film, you got it too much. Because, like, there was a scene in the beginning when they're when they're getting sucked under the ground, and Finn's like, Ray, I have something to tell you. I think what he was going to tell her was not, Ray, I love you, because that's what we thought we were going to get this whole time, and I'm really glad we didn't. He actually still never reveals what he was going to say No, but I think movie. he was going to say, I- I've got four shit going on. Or I can use I can I'm starting to tap into the force. That's what I think. I think that's what he was going to say. Man. So we're never going to get that conflict resolution there, and I'm I'm okay with that. I just they started it real subtle, and I appreciated it. And then at the end, they went over the top, like like every three seconds. Oh, I I can can just feel feel it. it, You know, like okay, we heard you say it five times now. Move on from because they were on one of the bridges of one of the star destroyers and pointed the ion turret back at the fucking command center. Yep. And she was like, "How do you know this is gonna work?" And he was like, "I can just feel it." And you know, how are we gonna be saved? I can feel it. And it was like, "Okay, we get that you feel it, bud. We understand that." That that's what I'm getting at more than anything. They they over um, what's the word I want to look? Uh, they just overused. They bogged it. it down. Yes. Again, it was another bog down. You don't. Uh, I get it because sometimes you don't want to do the catchy one, the kitschy one-liner to hope people get what you mean by that. But if you use it too many times, people are going to just be like, "Okay, we you you've drove the point home, dude." Like I'm, I understand Finn has some of that. Um, so let's hit play again where we're at. <laughs> Kylo or Ben, Ben Solo heals Ray. They have the the kiss, which I thought was very tasteful. Mm-hmm. It made sense narratively. Um, and then he disappears. He, he he goes into oblivion. He's gone. But at the same time, we also see Leia go. So what I think is Leia reached out to Ben with her last bit of life force mm-hmm. and gave him the ability that Luke had in The Last Jedi to force project. Because he hadn't even learned how to really hone that. He could he could force FaceTime, but that's not putting him in front of the person and actually being... Exactly. Yeah. So Leia was living on in Ben for that short amount of time, and when the thing that needed to be done was accomplished, she dissolved, he dissolved. The only difference is one of them showed up in the force, one of them did not. And I was actually surprised, not going to lie. I thought we were going to get a Ben Solo force ghost with the way they end the movie. You know, he dissolves like Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan, which was cool. Another cool little callback, the robe, it just well, disappears. Yeah, and, and Yoda did it the same and, way. Absolutely. And um, and you get this like impactful, like, wow, he saved her. He He's the crux that ended all of this in the right way. And... And the galaxy is going to be, like, forgiven. And then I do appreciate that one thing they didn't do that the first two trilogies have had was the over-the-top all-worlds celebrating scene. We didn't need that. We just mild. Well, we did get it. It was just in a different way. Yes, exactly. It was watching all of the First Order or Final Order forces being destroyed on all those planets. Yep. 
and it was not it was because it was a galaxy a, rising up together instead of celebrating exactly together. they were all taking their their last stand against the final order mm -hmm. really so uh that was beautiful and then man we in a way that i was again they got me again because i did not expect we would wrap this movie where we did if you told me we were going back to Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's fucking farm on Tatooine, I would have said, you're stupid, because there's no narrative reason for them to do that. Until they gave us every narrative reason for them to do that in such the perfect fucking manifest. Um, Ray goes to essentially bury, and not bury, I don't, not, it's not like a... Um, to a, put a Luke and Leia to rest. But she's storing their lightsabers in a place that she will only ever find them. She knows where they are, and no one else will. And she kind of is like looking around this land, and she's like, I could kind of make home here. We see her slide very much like she does, does in mm -hmm. uh, the, Force, the Awakens. Force Awakens on Jakku. Uh, she's you know coming on the little, uh, little makeshift sled. And I think she's like in that moment like, this is home. This is actually home, and I and, and it feels right to be well, here. Well, and it's foreshadowing for what she says a couple panels later. Exactly, because some local lady we don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm sure that we'll learn who the cameo of that character was, because I'm sure it was probably somebody famous. Um, just says, you know, who are you? I've never seen you here. No, no one's been around here in forever. There's literally been no one. And she's like, I'm Ray. Ray who? And she thinks about it. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three and four. And then she starts to look off into the distance and we see Force Ghost Luke, Force Ghost Leia side by side. Another moment we did not expect we would get. 100%. And then she says Skywalker and adopts the name. Like she could choose to say, I'm Ray Palpatine and I was the Emperor's daughter and or granddaughter and carry on that lineage. Or she can just say... I need to let that name die because let I Let the am past die. Kill it if you have to. Correct. And I have to ascend to this Skywalker, which now means more than... Skywalker, to me, in this universe now is more of a, um impactful phrase than the phrase Jedi. Right. Because a Skywalker is a legacy of, of actually saving the galaxy at all costs as where other Jedi fell. You know, we're not talking about the rise of Kit Fisto or the rise of Kia and Demon D. We're right. talking about the rise of Skywalker and her decision to ascend to that and not only ascend to that, but to then give us the glimpse of possibly a future. Who knows what we get after this with her lightsaber reveal? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Seeing the orange, the orange lightsaber light up, you know, she pulls out, she puts Luke and Leia's sabers to rest. She pulls hers out from her, from her hip and the the actual hilt of the saber is very uniquely designed. It doesn't look like anything we've seen a lot. You know, the mechanism to activate the blade isn't an up and down or a button like we normally see. It was it was 100% unique to Ray. And then you see the orange saber, which we haven't seen since Attack of the Clones, just out in the crowd. Not as some major character saber. Mm -hmm. Now we've never had a major character embrace that color. Correct. Uh, I want to say, okay, Kit Fisto had, I think green. Kit Fisto had green, right? And mm -hmm. then was Key and Demon D one of the ones? Kaya Demundi? I call him Key and Demon D. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. Uh, didn't he have a yellow saber? Wasn't he one of the ones with the yellow saber? Big, tall, forehead guy? Yeah, he had a couple different ones. Okay. In, in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, I'm pretty sure he had a blue one. And then in the... Uh, standalone comic series where he was living out on Tatooine after the the Jedi purge. Some of the Tusken Raiders that he lived with were also like 
Jedi refugees, and and they like had orange lightsabers for a time. Nice. It, it, it's kind of muddy waters there. Um, you know, everyone's going to say, well, Revan, Revan had a, a orange, Revan had an orange lightsaber. So you know. Okay, Blaine. There's our parallels for for Revan. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Let's uh, let's get that going. Uh, let's fucking move on from it, people. Shit. Shit. Fuck. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to, because I want it gone. I'm ready for new Star Wars stories now. I am too. And like, honestly, I know that Daisy Ridley has said she would not come back. I know that John Boyega said he probably wouldn't come back. Oscar Isaac said he's done too. Which, okay. You didn't kill any of those characters though. Which we expected at least two of the three to die. Probably, yeah. So. I mean, shocking that Kylo's gone because that's kind of your crux of villainy. God, wait till Uh, Buckles watches it. Because of the new series, Kylo slash Ben Solo is also my favorite character. You know, it gives it, it gives me all the feels of Vader. It gives me all the feels of of uh, like Dark Side Luke. It gives but he's also got Han in him. Like yes. the, the 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 not like listening to anything that anybody fucking says. The Emperor's like, go kill her. I'm not gonna listen to you. That's Han Solo making that decision. That mm-hmm. wasn't. I mean, even even Anakin was obedient to a point. One, he's got Leia in him too, who also very rebellious. Yeah, yeah I, I I'm gonna do what's right. But I'm gonna do it my way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I think back to the scene in Empire when when they're in the, you know, the back half of the Falcon and and Leia's working on shit, and then Han takes her hand and she's like, "Stop doing that. Why you like it? Stop doing it. Like do what I say, not what I want you, know, you that's, to do." That's that's yeah. a little bit dark side Leia coming out there. Yeah, but um, overall. What a fantastic movie. You know, our opinions might ebb and flow a little bit after second watch. You know, especially because Ruby is super, super excited to watch this film. Skylar hasn't vocally told me, like, yeah, I can't wait till you take me to see Star Wars, but I've taken her to see all of the ones, all of the major trilogies Mm -hmm. we've watched, or all of the current trilogy we've watched, every Star Wars movie, like ad nauseum. And I. I have made my wife watch Star Wars so much she likes it too. And as a, you know, we experience it as a family. We've got to experience the last two, which I'm very, very thankful of. Um, Because the love of Star Wars is something that we should share and it shouldn't be such a divisive thing. But the fact that I get to take my little Padawan who wants to see it so fucking bad she can't really stand it. She's three years old. I don't know, man. I will say that movie's going to be intense for her to sit through. I'm sure she will because she's a well-behaved kid. But, like, man, there's so many, like, the flashes kind of even bothered me a little bit with how much lightning they put yeah. in the movie. It was just like, fuck. Chewbacca's in it, and she'll be set. She'll just sit down. Chewie. She'll get, she gets home from school, and she'll be like, Daddy, I want to watch Star Wars today. Okay, which one do you want to watch? I want to watch the one with Chewie in it. So 89% of them, almost all of them. I always just put Empire on. Everything but Rogue One. that's the one we watch the most. Right? Everything but Rogue One has Chewie. Mm Mm-hmm. Damn. Uh, Well, Phantom Menace doesn't have Chewie. That's right. Attack of the Clones doesn't have Chewie. So there's three movies that don't have Chewie. That's right. But it's like, what do you want to watch today? Well, I want to watch, she says the Mandalorian. I want to watch the Mandalorian with Baby Yoda in it. Yes. Fuck it, my kid loves Baby Yoda. That's awesome. 
merchandise that shit because I'm ready to buy some of it. Did you see uh, John Favreau had a 3D printed Baby Yoda in the pram? Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, that was one of the lines from uh, The Mandalorian we didn't talk about. Open the pram. <gasps> no, don't open the pram. Don't open it. He's not in there. Don't open it. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, anyways. Um, yeah, man. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed Rise of Skywalker. I think... I need to sit with it before I can say in the nine movies where I would place it. It's above the prequel trilogy movies because those are their own precedent of why they... I, I, I think realistically what we as fans need to do with with the entire Star Wars saga as it sits right now, we need to separate them and we need to solely compare the prequel films to each other. Because they are their own separate entity. Correct. We need to compare the original trilogy to Only itself. To yep. Because it is it is a, a totally separate entity. And then the same precedent set for the current trilogy. And then any of the standalone stuff, we need to keep Solo and Rogue One and The Mandalorian. We need to, we need to not compare. We need to keep comparing apples to apples and not apples to oranges. Correct. That's how I feel. We're in the same universe, and anytime they get any, like, okay, example, uh, just a quick random example that I didn't even necessarily catch until this week leading up to Rise of Skywalker. I'm like, fucking watch Last Jedi, watch Revenge of the Sith, fucking watch Return of the Jedi, watching them all, and Return of the Jedi, droids go up to Jabba's palace, and uh, I be trizing. That little droid says that exact same thing to Mando, and it's that little thing that makes me go, listen, I, and, I, and I said this on my Facebook the other day to some fucking Rose haters, be grateful as Star Wars fans, we still get this. Mm-hmm. A lot of fandoms, they had their fucking little fandom time, and that's it. They didn't get any more. They don't get a, 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 a new chapter in the fucking story. So to just have the opportunity that you get to take, when you were a kid, you got to go see some of these movies in theaters with your dad and stuff. Now you're a parent taking your kid to see these movies. Right. It's generational now. It's much deeper than it just being Star Wars. It's culture, you know, for us mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, but all in all, to numerically vote this movie... I would say it's like a 4.45. Yeah, I, I was going to say, just on first watch, just just my my critiques of the film, no Star Wars bias aside, mm-hmm. it, it's a complete movie. It could almost stand alone. It does tell its own story. Yep. And I, I would say a four and a half out of five stars all day. If I just want to go off of first watch, first feelings, the way that we did with Last Jedi, five stars. Yeah, because it hits in all the different yep. ways. But once we digest it, and, and even now, I feel like you're going to at some point go back to Last Jedi, rewatch it with the knowledge we have now, and be like, oh, shit, this movie is much better now that I know how the story unfolds. Right. It's not this. And that, I mean, and listen, same thing happened with Empire Strikes Back all those years ago. People mm-hmm. were uncertain if the Empire winning is the right decision, ultimately. And then Return of the Jedi just course correct in the right way. Right. So here we are again, man. And I'm... I was jazzed to spend that and experience that with you and and Dick and and Nick and we had Brett and Jess. It was like a crew. Dave Linder was there. It's Zach. Uh, Zach. I fucked those two up all the time. Sorry, guys. <laughs> they're they're a tandem. They are. It they, they they are a dyad. Yet again, we're talking about <laughs> the dyads. <laughs> but yeah, it, it 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 was a good experience. Like it like it has been every time. I'm really glad that 
you know, I had some some sleepy time to I, really digest it. Some baby Yoda time to digest and and compose my thoughts and not just fly off the handle like we did last time because you know, we only had the fucking meat of our brains to go off of the last time and we sat for almost 4 hours. Yeah. And talked about it and, and I don't know what our time stamp is right now, but if I feel you guess uh, I'm gonna say two and a half. Two hours, one minute. Okay, we're keeping it under. We're doing good. I feel I feel very very comfortable with kind of the way that we broke it down. We didn't we didn't. I don't dislike when we go scene by scene by scene, but I feel like we lose some of the the the, the spectacle when we break it down that in that much detail. Yeah, and then it makes it a little bit harder at the end to say what your overall opinion is because you you have looked at it under a microscope for four hours. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's us for you. Uh, No, I do know what you mean, and I liked that this is different from most of the big premieres we've uh, covered after they've dropped because usually, I mean, Captain Marvel, you were up there. We did it that night, right? Like immediately after with the girls. We were tired. Exhausted, and we almost, it was almost like, fuck, I want to postpone this, but we're here together. Let's make it happen, you know? And this was like, we have a little bit of time. Let's wake up. Let's be fresh. We also had the Mandalorian to discuss. Can you imagine trying to go back in your brain last night and bring up Mandalorian stuff after seeing that movie? No way. You would have just, I w- you would have just been mush. It wouldn't have been possible. So I, this has worked out very swimmingly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the movie. I encourage everybody else to go see it. I think that once you see the movie, you need to go back and watch the other two in this saga and I'm saying literally Force Awakens, Last Jedi, as a way to catch things. Because I bet if we rewatch now, every move that Rey and, and, and Kylo make are going to always be yin-yang to each other. Exactly. Every scene. And you're not even, we wouldn't have even recognized it until we're told they're a dyad. Because having that knowledge and thinking about him taking his red Sith lightsaber and throwing it into a watery ocean of essentially drowning the Sith. And then she just wants to burn the Jedi. Mm-hmm. It's It's... They're better judgments coming against each other, diametrically opposed, and and with the there's just so many little like again going back under the microscope. Yep. We could sit here for hours and, and tweak. But uh, is there anything else we want to dive into this before we jump out of here, my friend? No, I, I just I really look forward over the next few weeks having more constructive conversation because because obviously, you know maybe after the holiday we can finally finish. Uh, powers and House pow- of X. Powers and House of X, uh, especially now that the X Men stuff is kind of taken off again. And only three up issues in, so right. we're not too far ahead. I think it, we are definitely going to talk about this movie over the next few weeks, and with the 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 wrap up of season one of the Mandalorian coming um, a few short days from the airing of this episode, we're going to have lots of conversations with Buckles. And everybody on the network is exactly. going to be buzzing about this. I can't wait to hear what other people who were not us verbally thought about the movie that were not there with us. Exactly. I can't wait to take the girls to see it. They're going to enjoy the movie, I think. I mean, it just it seems like that. I'm not going to overhype it. I talked to you about that last <laughs> night. I don't want to get too excited now. You, I mean, if if Sarah and Veronica are interested in recording, you know, basically their version of what you and I just did, I don't get a lot of opportunity to talk to Sarah and Veronica about Star Wars. Yeah. But, this would probably be the movie more so than than the first two that I would want to hear the girls' opinions on on what they thought of it. Especially considering Ray's storyline yes. is fleshed out in such a meaningful manner. I actually think 
listening to weeks ago, you talk about Ray, and even yesterday when we recorded Brews with Dudes, least favorite character, without even question, you said Ray. I think that changed for you last night. Mildly. Just seeing her story just wrap just in the, in now, the way it did. Now my least favorite character is Finn and not Ray. Because Finn has unfinished <laughs> business. They just kind of left him tethered to this, like, I don't know, man. I, it would be interesting if, like, 25 years from now, though, like 25 or 30 years from now, then those cats are older. They want to do another Star Wars trilogy like we got when we were younger. And, right. and and now we're the old parents who are like, our kids' kids are taking their kids to fucking see the new Star Wars. I can't believe it, you know? Right. Those three could come back in impactful ways, and it means something, just like Luke, Leia, and Han. Well, I think especially if you're going to have any continuity, if you're going to go anywhere in the current saga, like post that, if you're going to stay in the same timeline... I think Finn's a character that you could move on from pretty easily. Yeah. You know, because he's just a stormtrooper that helped the rebellion. Cool. Let's move on from that. Um, I think Oscar Isaac as Poe and Rey as now the embodiment of the Jedi, I feel like if you're going to go any direction, those two need to be involved. Because Poe is obviously going to be some high-ranking official in the New Republic now, you know, high-ranking military official, or maybe he's going to become a politician in the vein that Leia did. Exactly. You know, uh, she had so much influence on him as a character, and his character development from last movie to this movie is something that we didn't highlight a whole lot today, which I think after next watch, you and I will probably talk about a lot more. I think that that conversation has uh, weighty depth because we have to dive back into and really uncover and microscopically take out all of the scenes with Leia, and and even even just saying like just saying that right now, it just made me realize we didn't even discuss. In my opinion, one of the most gut wrenching and beautiful scenes was Oscar Isaac's Poe talking to deceased Leia, and like I don't know what to do. What would you do? I don't well, know how to do this. I can't lead. There was a couple other major moments too when uh, another one of the Resistance members recommended just doing a light speed battering ram again and trying to get all of the Why ships. Why don't we just go time. Holdo on them? And you, you can't. Poe is the one that says, "Well, we can't do that." And then obviously the the rest of the team jump in and say, "How that's not feasible." Blah blah blah. But the scene that really hit me in the feels was when, you know, he's looking around him and uh, Red Four goes down, and then this ship goes down, and this ship goes down, and everyone is asking him what to do, and he says, "I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I thought we had a chance." And it's just like. He Dude, it fucking it, it, it oh, hits yeah. you in the in the pit of oh, your yeah. stomach. Oh yeah, because you because it's like um, I think as humans, it's human nature to know failure, and that is like failure on an epic global scale. So it, you can really like put yourself in his shoes of like I've been there where I thought I had a chance to make a difference and I fucked up, mm-hmm. and now we don't have a chance and I fucked up. Yeah, we fucked up, and now we're all gonna die. And then. Things go back to normal. Everything goes back on course. They start taking slowly out the de- the star destroyers, and it just it just made for there's so many cool little spectacle scenes that happen in this. Um, I will say as a closing thought, I did say this last night. I'm going to reiterate it now. I do think that while this movie is more canonically complete, has a fuller story, and is more prominent in that regard, it definitely, in my opinion, has a few less shock spectacle moments like last Jedi It didn't Jedi take had. as many risks as, as, as Last Jedi. Correct. Totally agree. So, 
Yeah, that's it, man. But is there anything else we want to dive into? Nope. All right. I think we got it. Well, folks, as always, you can check out the Journey into Comics podcast right here on the Journey into Comics Network, journeyintocomics.com, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, Apple Music, many others. Just search Journey into Comics Network or go to patreon.com backslash journeyintocomics and give us some money. We love it. All right, folks. I think that's going to do it for this week, Tyler. Is there anything else you want to throw in there? Nope. All Take right, us home. Man. Well, for that, this has been Journey into Comics 275. Let bygones be Qui-Gons. I've been Nate. And I've been Tyler. And as always, folks, pop your caps back and fill your brains with shit. Later, guys. <laughs>